Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I will be your host, Ben Moore. For this episode, I am joined by Brandon Jones. Hi. And Mr. Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. Uh, it's funny because I've been in a superhero kick. Brandon, I think you're perpetually in a superhero kick. It's hard to get out of it. Yeah, I gotta be honest. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Blood, I know that uh, you're kind of in a superhero kick too. And so for the opening bit, Marvel or DC? Ooh. They're, Marvel they're both, or DC? They're both so different. Like, I, I, I was a big DC fan growing up, and I think, like... DC for me has more of like a they're more like gods, you know, like they're, mm. they're like like yeah. it's like Spider-Man to me really encapsulates Spider-Man and Wolverine really encapsulates and Iron Man too, like really encapsulate kind of that the Marvel attitude, you know, where like they have um really, really dynamic personalities. You really want to see them play off each other, where it's like, I'm Superman, I'm Wonder Woman. Like they're just very stoic, they're very statuesque. Yeah. And so as a kid, like the the like, man, those are the pajamas I want to wear, you know. But it's like it was interesting meeting with my friend. Uh, in high school and having him be like, hey, w- read these X-Men comics. And I was like, whoa, there's a lot more going on here. You know, it's like people say, it's like, well, Superman's an alien. And so he was kind of, you know, dealing with some of that outsider. And it's like, kind of, you know, where, uh, you know, Spider-Man being so young and inexperienced and having to like, you know, weigh real life problems. Um, so I think I think at the end of the day, Marvel's had more successes over the years than DC has. But I'll, I'll, mm. always, be, I'll always be a DC kid at heart. Batman's my favorite anything of anything. Yeah, Brandon, I think that's kind of where it comes for me. I, I, I think, ah, man, it's hard because I I feel like it could change. I really like the X-Men quite a bit. And I mm-hmm. like Spider-Man quite a bit. But I love Batman so much. And, like, I, I enjoy the other DC superheroes. I enjoy Superman. I enjoy Wonder Woman. But Batman is just on such a level for me that it has to be DC. Because not only do you get all of these individually great Batman stories, like all of the Batman people interacting with the DC people is phenomenal. Like Batman and his like no nonsense attitude interacting with Superman is incredible. Like there's some incredible moments uh, and the rogues gallery of Batman interacting with other. Yeah, the best, the best on their own and then interacting with other DC villains is, is pretty good. So I think it has to be DC, but. A lot of love for Marvel as well. Blood, Blood might have an opposing opinion. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's like, I feel like on both sides, like, yeah, there's the heavy hitters that I've, you know, I've been attracted to that I feel like, you know, they're, they're just like popular with everybody, right? Yeah. You know, like Superman, Batman, X-Men, Spider-Man, you know, but like, then I look at both sides of like, like the, the ones that are more on the fringes for me and like until the MCU... I didn't know anything or care anything about Iron Man or Thor. <laughs> right. And then, you know, like on the other side, like Aquaman, I'm like, what? <laughs> is Aquaman? <laughs> you know, and so it's just, it's, it's funny, you know, like Hulk was definitely, you know, again, it's like the mass media stuff is, is essentially how I related to a lot of those. And like, I really didn't dive into the comics nearly as much as even at times I, you know, I thought I might. So, you know, I just, I, I posted on Twitter, like my, my X-Men comic collection. And it was like maybe 10 issues, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, and I don't really have anything else, you know, like I don't have Batman comics or Superman comics or anything, you know, like X-Men is the only angle that I, I even 
bought any comic books for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I lean towards Marvel, but it's like Marvel plus Batman. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, as it should be. And and I've I've often found that my favorite DC stories were like limited edition, exclusive one off. Yeah, things, sure. Uh, graphic novels, and my favorite Marvel. Were, stories were the runs were Phoenix sure. Saga, Civil War, Zombies. Like those are a lot of times where I'd go back and be like, "This is hilarious," you know, reading something. And um, uh, Civil War, especially, was I, I think just a, the big package. I think I enjoyed Civil War more than any like run of a, a series that I read in in uh, DC Comics. But um, they're fun. Yeah, I guess when I when I talk about my own fandom with comics, a lot of that comes from video games and movies, and I've like definitely dabbled at different points in my life with comic books over the years, but it's never been like a consistent hobby. I would really like to be more knowledgeable about comics than I am. I think Uh, just because it's, I don't know. There's something about sitting down and just reading an issue. You know, it doesn't take that long. It's just like a nice focus on this one thing. It's not going to consume your whole life. You know, even, even movies, a lot of times it's like two, two and a half hours. Whereas a comic, it's like, no, it's just a nice little break. Not superhero related, but uh, I read about half of Walking Dead, and now that it's done, now that they actually mm. like ended it, I think on like ish, not issue, but on the little collections like thirty nine or something. I think I think I got in the twenties, so it's like I've always wanted to go back and just like, all right, let me just mm. go online, buy them all, sure, and then, uh, you know, get the compendium or something, and then just uh, wrap it up because that was good. Those stories were really neat. Man, Walking Dead, I used to love that show. And then I, I tuned it, out of the show. It after got like five to a episodes. point where yeah. I couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would totally still be watching it if we we had cable, but sure. No, no more free cable means no more Walking Dead for me at the moment. <laughs> I'm just like pick and choose Fair. one streaming service at a time. Um, it's always nice just because it's it's been a kick recently, and it's fun to do with Abby. We've been watching a bunch of superhero movies, and I hadn't seen Aquaman or Shazam before. Um, and I really enjoyed both. I wasn't expecting to enjoy Aquaman, but I had a great time with it. And Shazam is fantastic. Yeah, that Shazam movie has fun. so much heart. Holy yeah. shit. It's actually funny. The kids are great. The kids are great. All yeah. of the kids are really great. Yeah. His home life is fantastic. They're very fun. And Blood, speaking of like characters that you don't know a lot about that were on the fringes, like I wasn't that familiar with Shazam, so it was kind of right. fun. Uh no, learning more about that character, for sure. But speaking of games, you know, superheroes fly, but Brandon Jones, you've been flying in Microsoft's Flight Simulator. <laughs> nice, good transition. <laughs> which, which is, we're, we're, I'm waiting on that Superman mod. We're going to hopefully get that. Oh, wait, are they working on a superhero point. mod? I don't for, know. Oh, dude, that'd I mean, be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what a great stress reliever that I was just not expecting to really invest in. I thought it might be fun or maybe something that I would check out. You know, it's available if it's available on Game Pass. You know, it's just on PC right now. Um, and then, you know, Blood reached out to me and said, I have a friend who's a pilot. And, um, you know, if you're e- eager to cover it, this would be a fun conversation to have with him. And so I approached it mostly just to play it for this video that we would do. And I 
it was what was the F one? What was the recent sim game that you just played? Blood. We were going through. Oh, so you're yeah. talking about seasons and teams. You're doing interviews and all this crazy stuff. Like there is, I do have an attraction just to the depth of. I love depth in gaming. You know, I love when you just kind of like you know jump off of the deep end and um and there's so many modes and so much stuff that you can do. A lot of it, you know, potentially optional. And I remember when we were having that conversation, Blood, about F one. I was like, I would be blown away if I was interested in in the sport. You know, like but th- there's a lot going on here that I would be really tempted to even stuff like golf games I'm always like I you know there is a part of me that really wants to dive in make my own character do a whole season play a whole season of MLB uh and so it was the 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 first shock I got playing the game was that like everything's unlocked you can travel to any airport in the world right away just go and I was like just looking for some kind of weird progression I still don't know how to log flights blood I still like I land at an airport with the clock going and the game's like Great, you're at an airport. What? And I'm like, I did the, I, I landed. <laughs> I said I was gonna land here, and you apparently know. you have to turn off like all of your avionics. But I don't know how to do. Maybe that. put the brake <laughs> on or something. But yeah, it's you know because I'm like, I'm I'm trained. You know, after playing so many action games and RPGs, stuff that like, is very level based. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That you know it'll chart all this stuff, and it'll be like, ah, you've flown this many miles. Now you're this high level, or you unlock some plane, or it's just like, no, you just you just fly. Yeah. That's when, like, the closer you get to, like, a quote-unquote true simulator, the harder it is to sort of gauge the the content because, yeah, you don't have anything walking you through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, here's everything, you know? And, like, I, I, that's why I was kind of lost when uh, the first Project Cars came out because, like, okay, here's a bunch of cars and a bunch of tracks, and then, like, when am I done? Like, what am I... What do you need me to do? <laughs> you know, it's like... And like in a way, it like it never quite felt like it was finished in a sense, just because you know they were were just consistently adding to it. I think that um, that's the thing that terrifies me is I'm I'm really interested in flight simulator, but I don't know anything about aviation, and so it's like, well, is this even worth my time? Because like, I am I just going to be so lost? Like you mentioned. Brandon, that it was a nice stress reliever, but it's like, do you have to put in an hour of learning to get to that point where you can just enjoy a nice chill flight? No, I think I think there's like, not exactly no. I think there's like, I mean, parking brake helps. You know, it's like there's two buttons on my Xbox controller. Release the parking brake. I can imagine a lot of people skipping the tutorials and just mm, on the <laughs> runway, like, what am I missing? And uh, for me, I think one of the, the biggest things that I will take away from this when I when GTA six comes out or when I you know play the next uh, you know Far Cry or uh, Just Cause is a great example of something where it's just like lots of planes. I'm doing lots of traveling and stealing helicopters and stuff. It's like you take off in a plane, you just point it up and then you're gone. You, you take off, wee, you know. Whereas like in this, you'll stall. You know, like if you if you go to take off in a plane and you just pull that analog stick all the way back, the, you know, you really have to have a real soft takeoff. And, you know, if you have all of the realism settings on, if you like go up too high or you take a turn too fast, it'll be like you died. <laughs> like if you <laughs> tried to do what you just did in that plane, it would stall. The engine would explode. You you know, like the plane can't take that. Uh, and so it was like, well, I was getting footage actually, but if you go, if, if, uh, people have yet to watch our, um, interview with your friend, Daniel Gieselin, uh, if you see my, my footage of Disneyland, of me flying over Disneyland, when that shot cuts, that's the end of that <laughs> clip. That's literally me. Like I'm yeah. going to do one more pass. And I'm like right over like Frontierland, and like, whoop, like, 
Um, and there's no, you know, physics of crashes or anything. It just goes to a fail screen. And Yeah, uh, Ben, like the first thing that I did is just like the dumbest, you know, like total Google Maps thing is, you know, like I just got in a plane and took off and just started flying around, like finding everywhere I've lived in L.A., right? Because like, you can clearly see, like it's it's just nuts. They're like, yes, that is a photograph of that really old 100 year old house. <laughs> like that is that's it. And yeah. It's like the right shape and it's 3D yeah. and there's the parking lot and just the whole nine yeah. yards. Um, and, uh, you know, and so but it was funny, though, because like Brandon was saying, you know, I was trying to get. A, a shot of one of my old houses to, to show my roommate you know what what it looked like in the game my old roommate and i was just like going like i was just trying to make those passes and like nope i screwed up oh. like i ended up on the ground and it was like just trying to get the plane like back and forth but it's it's so bizarre once you get the ground level because it's not made to be seen from that and so like mm -hmm. trees are crossing the street and like everything's in like weird shapes and stuff and so it's it's funny because like from above it looks perfect. Yeah. You get down on the ground and it's like, what's what's going on here? One of my one of my favorites, Ben, is the there's street lights, but the street lights aren't attached to poles. It's literally just yeah. like little balls of light. And so if you're up looking down, it's fine, but you get low enough and then all of a sudden there's just this weird plane of just all these little dots, you know, off on the horizon. Um, or like a palm tree will just be like a pillar yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And like the strange like map uh, glitches where they have like uh, stuff is entered incorrectly and you get these like crazy obelisks like, you know, popping up out of the earth. But it I love uh, learning geography. I've loved learning geography about my home and my, you know, group, you know, yeah. born and raised in Southern California. And so when Google Earth came out in VR, it was just fascinating to look around and be like, OK, that's the Hollywood Bowl. That's my high school. Disneyland's over there. You know, it's just neat to know where this stuff is. And in Flight Simulator, you can't just teleport to the Grand Canyon. You got to pick an airport, know where the Grand Canyon is, take off, fly over and find it. You know, and so it's uh, one of the ones that was tricky was Yosemite. You know, I've been there a couple of times. Right. And it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'd love to see Yosemite. But like, you got to know where it is. And uh, and so um, that's that's interesting to me to. Uh, and just, there's some crazy airports aren't even airports. They're like, you know, like farms that like yeah. have a runway, you mm. know, that like. Uh, and so it's interesting when you really get down to details, like finding uh, places where, you know, you can land and uh, how far it actually takes. Like, you know, like you deal with all this nonsense when you get to the airport, you think about air travel. It's like, oh, it takes so long. It's like the flight doesn't like the flight's actually really quick. Like you can take off you know, from where I live and like I can be in Burbank in five minutes, mm -hmm. you know, it just takes a long time to land and taxi and then park the plane and all that stuff. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that was funny because I was like looking around by, you know, where I used to live in Florida as well. And I knew that like somehow there was like a runway around there. Like I but I didn't I'd never seen where it was. And like, sure enough, it's there in flight simulator, you know, it's like it's, it's got to be private. It's got to be like one guy has a plane, you know, but it's there. I had a, I had a funny moment where I'm going house hunting right now. And we looked at one house and when we were in the driveway, a plane was landing and Amanda was like, oh, and she looked at me kind of like, we're thinking the same thing, right? And she's like, that's, you know, something to think about, the noise of the planes. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about checking that airport out the flight simulator later. Like, <laughs> but I hear you, honey. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're on the same wavelength now. Uh, um, but there is, Ben, there is like, I, how long is it, Brandon? Like two hours or so, the like instructional thing with the Cessna? Oh, sure. Man. Yeah, about that. Yeah. 
yeah it's it's pretty cool like it really like after like fumbling around on my own having no idea what i'm doing i was like oh okay <laughs> now I, I get some basics and how this plane works yeah Even and then of course the next thing i did like i got into a plane that like didn't have the exact same you know controls and like uh where where's that thing at where's that wheel where's the wheel i need to set um yeah and the uh i know a lot of people were upset about the uh microtransactions there's just a lot of extra money you can dump on this game oh like, i didn't know that that's interesting uh so there's a planes you can buy for you know 10 20 30 dollars there's like extra packs that add more detail to cities mm. and uh, a lot of people are upset as i said a lot of people you know um you know calling that stuff out but like a it's the earth you know it's like it's 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 funny when a game gives you the earth and people are like and it's like that's that's a it's, it's big there's not a lot of games to do that and you get into the interior of these things and it's insane you know if you you like like after like the sixth or seventh or eighth plane you try out and you see like how different you know the, these are and just the difference of sound when you're on the outside of the plane you can hear the engine humming and then all of a sudden you're inside and it's really muted and um it, uh, I don't spend a lot of time. I spend like 90% of its flight time outside the plane just to look at stuff, you know, because yeah. you are, it's like the, the, you can just kind of peek over um, the controls inside planes, but uh, always fun to just check them out. And uh, after a while, it's like, I'm going to try out a plane, not because uh, I, you know, think this plane flies better, but because it's like, wow, this is a, a giant jet. This is like a 747. It's just like, you know, it has a much bigger cockpit. It's fun to like look behind and be like, can I see down into the plane? Is it one to one with travel time? So, like, if you mm -hmm. do LA to New York, is that how long it would take? Five and a half hours, wow. baby. <laughs> okay. Which you can, you know, pay, uh, pace out if you want. Like, if you just want to get a sense of how long that distance is, just like fly to Chicago or fly to New Jersey, and then you know, um, so it's it's you can kind of leapfrog your way if you want to like make a distance or make a trip. Um, but yeah, I. I there are apparently ways to speed up the simulation and stuff too, but you mm. have to do it in a way that like, you know that your plane is level because everything is sped up. You're just basically literally like fast forward. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, well, the thing with the, that, uh, I don't remember if it was Gieselin or somebody else in the comments that mentioned this, but like one of the things with the extra transactions and stuff is it, it's, it sounds like it's not even necessarily like Microsoft selling that stuff. It's like it's open to third parties. Oh, And oh. so when somebody's selling you a plane, it's, right. like, it's like that plane manufacturer or whatever gotcha. selling you that plane. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like these things aren't just like, here's a photograph of what the plane looks like. It's like, no, this is how the plane will react in these conditions to this amount of force. Gotcha. And, you know. and I, I didn't have any sort of desire whatsoever for more content at all i mean it's just it's the earth dude <laughs> there's so much stuff <laughs> to go check out um and even just the uh, the challenges which is like just a little slice of an actual like progression or a list of things that you can do yeah I remember when, I, when i first booted up the game i jumped in they were like landing challenges and i was like landing challenges i don't you know I'm not gonna land in some place i don't know and then i went back and did them later and they're a blast mm. you know they're really fun it's it's fun to you know, be flying through like a, a canyon and just like where I'm. Oh, there it is. Okay, let me see if I can. Oh, landed on the wrong one way. Okay, let me try it again. Um, so. so yeah, and Ben, what I'm doing in it right now is I'm on this like multi-leg. Uh, it's a they're like uh, bush flights. Uh, so it's through uh, Patagonia, hmm. and it's pretty cool the way it lays it out. And and the instructional thing definitely helps you uh, understand how this works better too. But basically, you know, you're you're out 
you know, in rural areas uh, in different parts of the world or like in just straight up jungles at times. And rather than you having like a normal flight plan, you basically have like descriptions. Mm. And so it's like, okay, fly on this heading and you set a timer and like, okay, once you've gotten about five minutes, then look for this river crossing the bridge and then follow this road and then look for the river by the or the road by the lake and then follow that up into the mountains and so it's like it's this very interesting way of like your instructions are just reading the topography and heading in the right direction and timing it out yeah so that you know that you're you're actually looking at the right thing and it's at times easy to get confused and get lost you know if you're if you're not hitting like the timer and stuff and it's like okay but where is like you want okay the, the the river go with the wider part of the fork in the river like okay which one is that yeah. that's a real adventure uh, though i that yeah that, i really enjoyed uh in ghost of tsushima when they would just have you follow a picture and you'd have to scan the environment to try to figure out where to go or in red dead redemption the treasure hunts um and this seems much more complicated than that but sort of in the same vein uh in a really fun way. As far as like out of the box stuff, how many planes do you get access to? And do you have to kind of earn your way to get different planes or can you just switch to whatever you want at any point? Yeah, it's all in there. I think you get a couple dozen, like 20 something. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done a count, but yeah, there's very, you know, there's very small, like completely open cockpit, you know, like um, prop planes all the way up to like, yeah, Brandon was saying like just, huge jumbo airliners oh dude and ben landing those huge like uh airliners man is tough yeah <laughs> like, you think you're fine like you're just coming in you're like i, I play pilot wings i got this you know yeah it's like no well even with the little bush plane i i i had to redo so the these 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 segments are like so i think the full trip is gonna be like seven hours and then the segments range anywhere from like 15 to 20 minutes to like an hour and a half, just depending on the leg of the trip, because you're basically going from hopping from airport to airport. And I did this one that was like 25, 30 minutes. And then I get to the end and like I've landed the planes plenty of times before, but I just I, I just misjudged how fast <laughs> I was going. And so I got onto the runway and I, you know, hit the brakes and I'm like, oh, I'm going a little bit too fast. So I hit the brakes a little harder and then just flip my plane over. Oh. And and then they don't give you a rewind like Forza. Nope. You know, it's like, yep. start that over again. Yep. Now I kind <laughs> of want a Brandon and Blood Best Wipes Microsoft Flight Simulator <laughs> compilation. Um, there are different versions of this game, correct? And one of those versions is on Game Pass. Is that accurate? I don't know anything about different versions other than like the deluxe edition, maybe that has like more planes. Okay. But I could be wrong. I, I just thought I, yeah, I remember know. hearing that. But is it on Game Pass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the other reason why I haven't satiated my curiosity and downloaded it is just because it's very, very large as well. <laughs> Take up a lot. It of is space. insane. Yeah. 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 Um, deceptively you know. so you get it and then boot it up and it's like okay now to download way more than we just downloaded yeah like you'd obviously you know most of the time like when you you download a big game like this you'd want to put it on ssd and like you know i i have an upgraded an ssd big enough to hold this stupid game yeah. so i was like all right well i've got my giant production drive where i put all my footage so i just put it on there um so it is one where it's like i just kind of put up with 
my PC is struggling through it because I know that the PCs this is built for aren't coming out until 2024 anyways. Um, when you just learning, because you, you mentioned like kind of this two hour instructional session that you can do, but when you're flying, do you, can you tailor, like, are there tips that come up as while you're mid flight or is it kind of just, you're completely on your own or does that stuff, can you tweak that individually or there's basically like a difficulty setting thing. And Mm. then there's like a way deeper options that you can customize. Just sort kind of think of it sort of like when you do your graphic settings, you know, it's like, sure. it's like you got low, medium and high. And, and then with this, it's like, okay, you got really realistic or really handholdy, but then you can go in and like customize, you know, what tool tips you want to show and all of that. When you're talking about difficulty. So let's say you put it on the easiest setting. Does that just mean you get more help or the actual flying is easier? Uh, both. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there are things that kind of guide you a little bit okay. in there. Um, that keep you from totally i mean you know if, if you hold that like bram is saying if you hold the analog stick up or down then like you're gonna crash yeah yeah, yeah. but you know it it, it kind of keeps you from just like getting overwhelmed it's funny ben when i a lot of times when i've gone inside the cockpit you know i'll be outside and i'm just like oh it's so beautiful you know i see the sunset and the city below and it's like let me see what's inside the cockpit and i'll go in and it's like boop 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 <laughs> like, hey, whoa what's going on you know? <laughs> it's like you're out of gas you're going too fast your, your angle's wrong like your attitude's wrong like oh <laughs> you're at uh, you i think you meant altitude but you said attitude. no attitude is different yeah there's Wait. attitude and at altitude at, isn't attitude my attitude's fine thank you very much wait <laughs> Attitude is a flying term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know. Like where your plane is pointing. Okay. Like up and down and left and right. So now, what I want, I think you guys sound to me. You sound like flight experts. Yeah. Like you've been around the world. So now I just want to do Brandon and Blood's flight school. Get my wings. Well, I've I've fl- I've landed in Los Angeles so many times, and I'm so used to like this pass that they do, like when they come in over the ocean, and then they do this big U-turn to land. It always seems like the plane is turning like forever, you know, like it'll tilt, and it's just like, have we seriously not turned yet? And like, no, like if you if you want to turn fast, like if you are in like an action game and you just like, whoop, yeah. like spin a plane around, everyone in that plane just passed out like there's no <laughs> way like you could or or literally you went sideways mm-hmm. you know and it's like you can imagine everybody like you know like on a on a, like a delta flight you know like um just you know laying on one side uh and so it's interesting yeah the, the, those big flame planes have been kind of the the most eye-opening thing for me sure I'm like ah this is real hard you got to be very patient yeah. you know yeah i haven't even touched any of those big planes yet and then little dinky things man it sounds it sounds fun, and it also just sounds like it could eat so much time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily, easily. I, I haven't actually landed. I landed in the challenges, and, like, there's a couple short flights that I intentionally did. But most of the time, I'll just be like, ah, yeah, de- depart, you know, arrival wherever, and then I'll just fly in and, you know, go around Chicago or New York sure. or L.A. and stuff and look at the sights. Hey, everybody. Uh, we had a recording error, and so I'm, I'm actually going to have to – Splice an earlier segment of the show with this new segment of the show. Uh, so if, it, if you've noticed any weird transitions or anything like that, that is what happened. The, the joys of recording at home <laughs> and having errors happened. But enough of that noise. Uh, Bloodworth, you played a game that looks very charming called Inmost. Tell me about it. 
Charming. Charming is an interesting word for this game. I think just like the the style of it seemed intriguing. Sure. Yeah, this is... Uh, okay, so this was in the uh, Nintendo Indie World uh, presentation uh, that happened about a week or so ago. And they uh, after the presentation, they sent me a Steam code. And uh, it's all uh, monochrome. Uh, so basically, like, just, you know... Any anywhere that you're in, just imagine it just being different shades of the same color, like all different blues or greens or whatever. Uh, but this game is this is a dark game. <laughs> Charming uh, is definitely not the right word there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's it's interesting because it's one that sort of just it intentionally leaves you in the dark mm. uh, to kind of figure out what it's all about, what the heck is happening here, uh, and one of the reasons I kind of uh, was was interested and intrigued to to jump on it this week for Frame Trap was because it said it's like this you, pl- you know play through it in one night and I ended up taking two nights because I got sleepy um, but yeah you could you know do this in about four hours or so and you play as three entirely different characters uh, with entirely different uh, move sets. So the the main one I would say uh, is uh, I think in the achievement list they call him the Wanderer. I didn't have any kind of name for him, so I just called him the Tool Guy. <laughs> but his part of the game more or less plays like a, a small uh, Metroidvania. So you kind of explore this side-scrolling environment. You find different tools, like there's like a pickaxe and there's like a scythe and there's a crowbar. And by finding these tools and doing some other like environmental puzzles. In my mind, then... I, I just view this character as Tim Allen now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you, you find your way, you know, to the different paths of this world and kind of unlock some of the different mysteries there. And then there's also... Um, and and he okay so the tool guy he he can jump and he can traverse and he can move pretty quickly but he doesn't have any way of attacking um really so you have to kind of dodge past enemies or bait enemies into obstacles and things like that mm. uh that's then really there's, interesting. yeah then there's the knight the knight is in armor he's got a sword he uh can't jump but he's got a grappling hook mm. so there's like certain points it's very very batman grappling hooks so there's like certain points that there's like ropes or whatever like sort of like tomb raider or like this make me shoot think up of, and pull up you know kind of thing uh by Anna commando similar yeah. limitation where you can't jump so yeah and but then there's also sometimes there's like um bridges or stuff to the side that you shoot your grappling hook to and you pull yourself across uh, there's also there's one point in the knights sections uh, that I would say is a bit of uh, an, an oversight into the level design mm. because you can kind of get up to this walkway and you knock over this bridge and then you can jump back down, but then you're just sort of stuck down there. There's no way to get back up. Mm. Um, and then also like the music started tripping out and looping. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the game does not want me over here now. When you got into that situation. Do you just, is there like a restart at last checkpoint kind of? Yeah, it's just, yeah. And this is actually a really easy way to go back to checkpoints. Okay, uh, nice. There's like a, uh, in the menu, there's just like a bunch of nodes with each one that has a screenshot at the beginning of that scene. 
And then, uh, and so both of these guys, they're not in the same place, but they feel like they're in similar worlds, right? So you're, you're, you're seeing like these goopy uh, obstacles and creatures, and sometimes they're blobby, and then sometimes they're like more humanoid and like really terrifying. Mm. Um, and as the tool guy, you can't do anything about them. You, again, you just have to avoid them and find ways to get around them. Um, as the knight, you, you're just slashing, slashing through them, and 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 so that feels pretty good. And you can even like you can take a hit now and then and recover after a few seconds. Are these stories intertwined, or do you have to finish one to unlock the other? They go back and forth. Okay. They, like you get to a certain point, and then it will hop you to a, another character. Gotcha. The third is a little girl in a house and it seems like it has nothing to do with anything else. And so you're wandering around the house, you're sneaking downstairs, you see a light come on from upstairs and like you, you got to stay out of the light. Um, and then there's just stuff about her parents, but you're not sure. Are they her parents? And hmm. she's like, she, and then she finds this stuffed, uh, rabbit uh, in, in a closet and it becomes a character and you, so you start having all this dialogue that the rabbit says to you and you're trying to you know get around the house and avoid upsetting the mom and you know she talks about how she can hear them yelling at each other at night and stuff and so there's this whole other aspect of things and she's convinced that they've got kids trapped in the attic and, and you know and so it's like what is going on what does this have to do with anything else what is what of the girl's perception is actually based in reality or what is she just imagining you know and so you kind of find out all of these different things um and it's kind of crazy because there's these three side stories going on and you don't really know how they all relate to each other mm-hmm. um and the knight is in service to like this big black dark creature um and the knight and the 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 wanderer tool guy uh they both there's these uh little collectible shiny stones that they refer to as pain um and the wanderer you just kind of find them all over in different places sometimes they might make a little sense but like a lot of times it's just like you you mine open a rock and you get an item um with the the night you get them from like just straight up killing things mm-hmm. so you kill things and you get pain and then you bring the pain back to uh, your your master <laughs> so to speak and uh but with the the wanderer there's actually uh, a character there because there's actually some npcs that you talk to um and if you bring them enough pain then they will actually tell you more of the history and the backstory and you learn uh, a bit about that so there's actually like a good incentive to find find these collectibles uh, and i didn't find them all in my first run either so that again where that like chapter select kind of will help you to go back to to different areas so it's interesting because it all sort of feels disconnected and i think this is probably where my criticism sort of comes up is like mm-hmm. they all feel disconnected and then all of a sudden you sort of just stop playing the game and everything is sort of told to you <laughs> Oh, okay. Hmm. And 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 so like even with the knight, there's essentially what sh- I would assume should be a boss fight, but 
you just watch it all oh. play out, you know, and um and and then there's this and it's like voiceover and everything. It just it it tells you kind of how the story kind of comes together and how it all relates. And there's so many interesting ways that it does that, but then there's other parts where I'm like, huh, I feel like I need to replay to understand really how the wanderer fits into this. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's a curious one. You do get to pet cats at one point. <laughs> that gives it a point right there. Yeah, that you you kind of touched on a question that I had and it sounds like the delivery of kind of how it all comes together is underwhelming, but even though things are just sort of being told to you is I I guess from just a pure like plot standpoint, is the story interesting at the end or not really? Yeah, it's interesting. I'd say that I don't I I feel like it almost it's it's trying to like have a a point. Mm-hmm. It's you know, so and it almost goes into a sense of like is this preachy or are you just try, are you being too obvious with like what you're trying to say in this? Sure. Um but nonetheless it's yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting little game. Uh between the three characters, I mean, you mentioned uh, kind of their offensive capabilities, but in terms of like taking hits, where does this game fall? Uh, does that change depending on the character? Does every can everybody go down pretty quickly? Is there like hearts or HP or something like that? Uh, no kind of hearts or HP. So yeah, the Wanderer basically just gets taken out. If you get hit, you get hit Okay, and, and you're down. Um, the knight can take a couple of hits that vary depending on the enemy, but generally like you'll get hit and then it will do kind of like a call of duty thing where the screen starts to get dimmer and redder. And so you want to try to, a lot of times you want to try to dodge and hit somebody from the back. Um, and, um, the girl just really doesn't have to deal with enemies in that way. It's more of like, it's almost like a stealth in a way, but more even less that that's not even most of what she deals with a lot of it is just kind of puzzly and towards like okay i want to get in the attic i need to find something to drag over that i can climb up or climb into a vent or something like that to to get around Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a lot more about observing the environment and opening up cabinets and you know just almost like a puzzly adventure game kind of thing Mm. Cool. Well, it sounds it sounds very intriguing. Um, you mentioned that it was pretty quick to play through. Was it was there like an hour count that you would say if you had to guess? Yeah, it's about four hours. Four hours. Okay. Okay. I think I think you kind of sold me on it. I guess the only concern that I have is with somebody like the Wanderer. And going down in a single hit and having to avoid enemies and use traps, like, I don't know, I could, I could imagine, imagine that gameplay being pretty frustrating or, or there being certain sections where it's just like constant trial and error as you try to figure out the, the right route to get through. Yeah, I think the map is so small and the reloads are so quick. Hmm. That it be, it's one okay. of those things where okay. it really doesn't feel that way. It's like, oh, okay, I got hit. Okay, try again, you know, because there are, again, there are times where, like, there will be an enemy and, like, I've got to bait this enemy off a cliff or something like that. And so I've yeah. got to figure out the right timing to be able to pull that off. 
kind of reminds me of the Deception series a little bit hmm. of, of having to to lead your foes through your, your, your traps. But uh, yeah, that sounds very cool. Uh, Brandon, you were saying something gets not very cool, and that <laughs> thing is Drake Hollow. I had an emotional roller coaster with Drake Hollow today. <laughs> it begins when Daniel Bloodworth messages me via Slack and says, this game is out. And I was like, what? <laughs> I did not know this game was coming out today. I, I had, I got, I'm like, I got two games locked for Frame Trap. I'm ready to go. And nope, there's uh, another opportunity to play a game. And this was something that I was interested in. And so then I go, okay, well, and then you post an Xbox trailer in Slack. So I'm like, okay, I got this Xbox trailer. Let me go find it on Xbox. And I'm like, you know, maybe we can get a code, but I only have so much time before Frame Trap. You know, I got to look after Milo in the afternoon. So it's like, I, I, I might just buy it right now. And then I'm like, well, maybe it's on Game Pass. I go to the list of Game Pass games on Xbox. It's not on there. And I'm like, oh, bummer, it's not on Game Pass. Well, I'll just go buy it. I go to buy it, and it's like, it's on Game Pass. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. So then I go to download that. <laughs> we'll go back, watch the Xbox trailer for this game. Does not mention Game Pass. Okay. Blood, Blood checks the email and the press release. Does not mention Game Pass. Like, okay. Um, so it is on Game Pass. Drake Hollow. Let me play. Um, yeah. Uh, so in one of the demos, I think it might have been a Gorilla Collective. There was something that we saw earlier in the summer where the uh, developer, I think it was a very small team that put this together, where the developer did a demo of the game. And I was like, this, this, has it was the same, same reason I got into Fortnite. It initially when they had the it was just the save the world mode. Uh, there's just something about this like confluence of events or you know uh, the design in games that I just am so attracted to. It's basically you find an area, you go out and harvest materials, go back, build a base, and then either at a predetermined time when the sun falls, when you get to a point in the story, that base is attacked. You know, you survive, you repair, and then you go out into the world, you find more stuff. And I was like, I I love that so much. And and uh, I am still kind of interested in the game. I think I'm probably going to focus on, we got like Avengers coming out this week. There's just other stuff I know that is on the horizon. So I'm like, I can't get too invested in this. But mm-hmm. I am far enough into the game that I am starting to get attached to um, just exploring the world. The thing that frustrates me is I'm not at all attached to the base that i'm defending because there's no base i i can't build walls Mm. yet i can't there's no traps i can put down um there are raids that pop up every now and then and they'll give you like a really good uh um uh, lead in so i think it's like 15 20 minutes that they'll be like there's going to be a raid coming up soon so you just got to make sure to get back to the base and uh they'll maybe be like five or six enemies that'll just kind of come in and anything that i've built in the base um they'll go over and attack and so um that part has not been difficult at all the part that's difficult is I'm just straight up out of supplies at this point. So what drakes are, these little plant dudes, and you start out with two of them when you first start the game. And you, you don't uh, – I know that all three of us are very familiar with Grounded. And it does mm-hmm. kind of have a Grounded vibe, except you aren't really a part of the equation. You're the, you have a health bar. You can heal yourself. Uh, you are picking up melee weapons that you have a uh, – uh, a ranged weapon as well uh, mm-hmm. and you're using lots of items to travel around the world but you don't need to eat you don't need to sleep you don't need to deal with any stuff your uh drakes need to do that so you have like a cauldron in your base that you need to put supplies in and mm. man they just fly through that stuff and so i got oh, to a point where they were like i need a bed to sleep on and i'm like i, I am not going back to the base you know tough it up guy i'm i'm, I'm just gonna you know i'm not gonna deal with that um 
you, there is a day and night cycle. At the point where I'm at in the game now, you have to build a bed for them every single night. What? Why? Uh, because they use the bed. It's like it's basically just a little thatch of like twigs, and then it just gets destroyed. I don't know. <laughs> like they they need a they need a bed every night. No, and, you get one bed. Right. <laughs> Uh, so they have food that they need to yeah, eat. When I buy they a have... bed, I want it to last 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Right. So they have food that they need to eat. They have uh, liquid that they need to drink via juice boxes. That's like the thing I need to find that like uh, <laughs> you can get throughout the environment. And it actually does kind of have a Fortnite vibe where there's like you're either destroying items to pull little pieces out or there's like cars in the environment and you smack them and they kind of wobble the way like stuff does in Fortnite and then like material will pop out. Um, and then you bring that back to the base, uh, and then they also need to be entertained. And so it's adorable, but it's kind of annoying. They have, and these are three meters, kind of like SimCity, where you know you can chart, you know, if uh, any of those are getting in the, the the red, and it'll indicate if you are producing less than you should, or you're fine, or you're producing more than you should to make them happy. And to entertain them, the only object that I could build, again, I just started playing this this morning, the only object I can build so far is a little teddy bear. And so you put the teddy bear, uh, you know, they in the description, it, they build them on the bed. So that's just what I did. And it's kind of adorable because these little guys will like wander over and they'll pick up the teddy bear and be like, oh, I got a teddy bear. And I'm like, okay, that's cute. I'm pissed I got to build this damn thing, but that is adorable. They, and then, of course, teddy bears destroyed. At, you know, you got to build a new one of those oh, no. every single they, day. Stop destroying stuff. Yeah. Um, and these things all have, you can level them up with crystals. I did not get enough crystals for any of these guys to level them up to level two. But they each have a specific uh, trait. So one will give you more crit damage. One will give you more luck in finding items. Uh, one will give you more damage against the environment. If you're harvesting stuff like you classic Minecraft, you just chop down trees to get wood and splinters and leaves and stuff. Um, but you can only do one at a time. So you have to go back to... Uh, if you want to swap it out, you actually have to like talk to that one specific Drake and then be like, I want to pick this one and, and ditch the other one. Uh, and they g also give you a resource um, when you go back to the base. That's about all they do. And I got to the point where, again, they kept asking for food and I'm like wandering around the beach. I'm like, I, there's I, there's no berries, man. I don't know where the berries went. It's not just like plentiful material. And by the time I saved, which was five minutes before I jumped onto this podcast, Two of my drakes were dead. They just ran oh, out no. of ran out of food and ran out of materials. And I'm like, I, I, I have to explore new islands and go out there and find stuff. And I don't know if there's a way to revive them or um, how that works. But mm. uh, it when I play survival games, what I like is when a game will have a very base set of materials that you can use just to get by. It's mm -hmm. like, it's like it, at any time you can just make this little wooden mace in your set. Yeah. But as you go on, you get more materials, you get better stuff. But if that thing breaks or you lose it or you die and there's, you know, um, um, you know, uh, you take durability damage on stuff. That's fine. Just as long as I can fall back on something, there's no falling back in this game. You run out, it's out, it's gone. You know, it's like if you you know run out of a melee weapon, you gotta find another one in the world. Like you can't build those things, and so hmm. it, it is a bit unforgiving in that way. If having a Drake is a thing I need to have, I don't know. Like I got to a point where. I was doing little chapter, you know, little quests that were introducing me to parts of the game. And then I hit one quest string that I was on for like an hour and a half where it was just like, okay, now get to level four. And it's like, I'm level one. Like, okay. And it's like, now build a bed for them. It's like, I can't 
build a bed. I don't know how I get that recipe. And it's like, well, you get more recipes when you level up your drakes. It's like, well, I can't level up the drake until I get crystals, but I'm out finding crystals and they need beds for me to make. And just it's just not like mm. it, it feels kind of like an early access thing where they're trying to figure out like how they're going to to temper this stuff out. Or maybe it is co-op and maybe I'm just like not doing myself any favors by by playing this game you know, right. by myself. Um, yeah, that's interesting because like with Grounded, it feels like you know, even though I haven't put a lot of time into it solo, I feel like I I could do that. You know, I I, I could keep up with my base well enough um, with just myself. You know, but and something Brandon mentioned uh, is in grounded. I mean, when it feels like you you die or you lose your stuff, I mean, of course you can go get your backpack again. But building your basic tools in grounded is yeah. really easy, and so once you know how to do it, it it only takes a you know a minute or two to kind of get the the treadmill started again and grounded but yeah this just seems too demanding like based on your description i don't know why things can't last a little bit longer i don't know why the teddy bear needs to be destroyed after you build it or like why the 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 bed has to be destroyed after one use if these are things that they need every day like it seems to me like it would make more sense if like these creatures grew over time and mm-hmm. over a long period, like maybe eventually the things that they needed were more demanding, but this just seems kind of frustrating out the gate. Like I, based on your description, I wouldn't want to deal with this, which is a shame because looking at the trailer, like it, it has kind of a nice style to it. Yeah. So the, what, what I do like about the game is it has an interesting beginning where you are, you're playing a character, you know, you have a character customization, so you can, you know, pick your mm-hmm. gender and uh, pick your style. And uh, you play as a character who seems very much like wanting to get away from the world. Like you start and your character's looking at their phone and like they got a, their bills are overdue, their family's yelling at them. They just broke up with the you know, significant other. And so they're just like, I need to get out of this world. And then you find a bird that takes you through this portal and you wind up in, in Drake Hollow and this bird is kind of like your guide uh you go back to and talk to you know the bird and the bird like kind of fills you in on what you should be doing next and how these things work and a little bit about kind of the backstory you're fighting these beasts called terminers I'm guessing terminer or probably terminer mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, it's all island based. And so there is like a miasma that is uh, like it acts like water in between you and the other islands. And you can only survive in it for about five seconds and it slows you down as you're walking through it. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have an item that you uh, can find in the world or you can collect off bosses or maybe sometimes uh, the little drakes will give you gifts, you know, that every now and then one will be like a soul stone or I can't remember what they call them. And then um, use those to uh, create items that are expendable, but then you use and it creates this uh, actually kind of like, um, come on, what's the final thing? Crystal Chronicles. It's like the same thing. It makes like a little, uh, you know, dome around you that protects you for like about 20 seconds, just enough Mm -hmm. to get to another island. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, you'll see like a car out in the ocean and you're like, okay, I'm just going to run out and hit this thing and get some materials and then run back. And so it's kind of like at your peril to keep going to these other islands to explore. Sure. So there's nothing is stopping you from going there, but like the enemies get a little tougher. There's more of them. And as you get to these islands, there's like these uh, spiky vines that once you clear all of them, will clear an island. And then um, that means there's no enemies on that island. So it's easier to travel. 
my favorite thing about it. And I think one of the things that uh, attracted me when I first saw them demoing this game earlier in the summer is you can build waypoints, but you physically travel on them. Like you, there are, um, like you grind on rails, mm-hmm. and you can set oh, up, sure. and you can set up these poles, and then as long as they're within a certain distance of the last one, you aim it like a laser puzzle and go, yeah, connect to that, and then it creates a line, and then you double jump to get up on them, and then you just scoot back to where nice. you're going. And so it's nice uh, when it when I look at the map after my progress. I am down, you know, to only one Drake out of the three that I previously had. But it is nice to look at the map and see this little grid yeah. that I've made and see what islands I haven't been to. And um, it, it, it's it's um, it's a little bit of a tug of war emotionally for me right now because, like, I feel bad. I would I, I kind of want to start over, you know, like a, a new save, yeah. knowing like, OK, I need these materials. I'm just going to I didn't want my initial island to be bare. But like, man, I just need to knock all those trees down and just put all of that lumber. I never hit my inventory cap. I think it's like 250 items. Um, but it uh, it's tough to play a game like this where you have to, you know, after three or four hours, you're like, well, now I know what to do. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice if I could see how, you know, have a sense of how fast these items would be depleted. You can also just teleport back to base, but the materials needed to create that item is a little expensive and it's, it's expendable. Man, I, what you were talking about, kind of exploring this dangerous world and creating these grinding waypoints all of that sounds awesome i just i just want to play that game and not have to deal yeah. with these drakes <laughs> like yeah. I, just don't, I just don't want to deal with them and and co-op again it's like if i have to deal with these things back at base if i just have two players then it's sure. like i i will focus on the base you focus on exploring done right you know? and right. uh it's it kind of reminds me of like starcraft it's like i will do the base <laughs> like you take the troops that i create and you go mm-hmm. uh, do damage and it's just is a lot of personality like um the the enemies are spooky there's fun types there's like the base type that you can beat up really quickly but then there's these really big guys it took me a while to get their attacks because they can do a ton of damage and you have to heal yourself you don't get health back you know automatically and so i'd be like stuck out in the world and like do i want to go over that island and get taken out and get a bunch of weapon durability damage you know porting back to base or if you go back to your body then you don't do that but it you know it can be kind of time consuming to do that uh there are these little like dog enemies that will leave little like trip mines so if you like step into the area it'll beep before like one of them goes off and so and the uh, it's very playful just in its uh, in the items. So like uh, they have bow and arrows and you know baseball bats, but I also have like a, a chair leg and like a ski it was like one of the the items that I had later, like a double handed you know um, uh, that did ton of damage that or, or like a foam hand, like a foam finger that like was one of like the harder uh, the more uh, devastating items that I had. Um, so it it it's strange that it has this kind of fun playful Fortnite vibe and yet is just so you know, demanding, mm-hmm. but I, I might be missing something. Like I might get to level four or, and then they're like, Oh, Hey, here, now you have this perfume that brings all your drakes back. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So like, they didn't actually go away. I don't know. And I don't know if I necessarily need the drakes. You need the drakes to level up your base, but like, I might, I might be at a point where it's, it's less about the base and more about you going out and exploring and sure. getting those materials. Hmm. But it, uh, it was, it was just funny, like, you know, not knowing I was going to play the game today, booting it up and being like, I'm so excited to play this and just really loving like the first hour. And then like, you know, playing it right up to the minute where I did this podcast and just being like, all right, I'm done with you, Drake Hollow. Yeah. Um, well, Brandon, I'm, I'm sorry that Drake Hollow was an emotional roller coaster for you. Uh, maybe to kind of like patch over that. Uh, I'm going to give you the best take today. Oh. <gasps> Uh, Because I'm very interested in your 
your opinions on this. Uh, so the way the best take works, Brandon, is you are going to have to start an opinion combo, which means I'm going to give you a topic and you have to give me individual opinions on that thing. Uh, and you try to keep it going until I say stop. We've done holidays, we've done amusement parks. I want you to start a best take on driving. Do I go? You go. Uh, driving's great. You can go anywhere in the world. Uh, you, obviously, you would have to get on a ferry, you know, to go over to islands and stuff like that. But uh, uh, driving's fantastic. It's it. I think it kind of brings us all together. You know, you can go driving out by yourself. I remember when I was at uh, working for an animation company, and they worked with another uh, animation company that was in Malibu, and they felt bad because I was an intern. They're like, "Can you drive this uh, tape up to to Malibu?" And I was like, "I hate to ask you to do it again because I know I asked you last week." And I was like, "Yes, you know, force me to drive up the California coast by the water, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for work." Yeah, this is so tough. This is yeah. what what a way to spend like half of my work day. Um, but uh, you know, driving obviously is an essential thing, but you know, you can you can definitely have a, a passion about the car that you drive. You know, the, the, the better uh, care you take, you know, of your car, you know, the better care it will take of you. Um, but at any point you can just go out. You know, we live in California and, and that's one of the reasons I love this state. There's a lot of, you know, we are only an hour or two away from snow, from desert. You know, Vegas is really close by. And so I think a lot of people you know, when you think you want to travel, you want to see other parts of the world, there's probably some really exciting stuff that you can see that it's just a, a short car right away. Good. That's a, that's a, that's a nice, wholesome, optimistic opinion. Uh, something I didn't think of when I was kind of coming up with this best talk is it's like, oh man, like I, I can't really drive right now. Brandon's making yeah. this sound so appealing. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Good. A good solid base for the best take. Keep it going. Um, it's so, it's funny, Brandon, because I think just based on history, uh, other people have done like kind of more contentious best takes, but it's like, that was just nice and wholesome. That was good. Keep going though. Well, uh, I have always wanted to live close to work. That's always been like a rule of mine. I'm like, I do not want to commute. Uh, and I am facing the harsh reality of having to, which the two, two of you know more than you, Ben, can certainly, you know, uh, appreciate, you know, being far from work. And so it's interesting that I'm about to completely change kind of my lifestyle in terms of like, I'm going to probably be listening to a lot of podcasts more. I'm probably mm. going to, you know, be using my Spotify account more uh, and actually, you know, want, you know, to find good radio stations or good playlists. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting spending more time in the car uh, and how I will I will utilize that because, you know, traffic's not fun. Uh, but at the same time, I think as long as you anticipate and understand the distance that you are about to go and potentially what you can do in that time. Uh, you know, uh, it is always fun to have somebody in the car with you, uh, but uh, it, uh, you know, just going and, and, and driving by yourself can be a good time. I always drive home from Disneyland whenever I uh, drive there, go with her with Amanda. Another reason to be sad, Ben, can't go to Disneyland anymore. Uh, and Amanda will always pass out in the car when I have to drive home. And I would get upset with her because she would be, she would feel guilty for sleeping in the car. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fine. You just sleep. I'll just listen to radio lab or whatever. You just mm-hmm. sleep. And there's this one bump right off the freeway. Every single time we would take the off ramp uh, to get off the 405. And every time I hit the bump, she would go, <sighs> and she'd wake up. And I'm like, can you, is there anything I can do to make you not think that you are going to die when I'm driving? Yeah. And you, oh, that's <laughs> so amazing. And she would also do the, like, like she would just kind of slowly like start to nod off. And then she'd go, 
Oh, sorry. And I'm like, okay, you sleeping doesn't make me tired, but you doing that, that starts to make me tired, actually. Yeah. Like, please, please don't do that. It's just funny that it happens every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't happen anymore because it was really just the first couple of years that we were dating when we would go to Disneyland. I'm just like, yeah, that whatever that is, like, please don't do that anymore. But uh, it's nice because we would go, you know, uh, we'd have our, our ritual whenever we would leave Disneyland. We'd be walking down Main Street and man would pull out her Starbucks app on her phone and she would order me a, uh, a grande uh, white chocolate mocha at the Starbucks on downtown Disney. And then by the time we made it to the Starbucks in downtown Disney, it would be up on the, the counter ready to go. And I would wow. just grab it. And then I'd have my, my coffee on the ride home. Disney uh, professionals. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, but uh, Also making me want a Starbucks right now. I don't know. Yeah. It's <laughs> been a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to get back uh, and do that. But um, uh, cars are always something that I've always wanted to be more interested in. I've always wanted mm. to know. Uh, it's another reason why I'm enjoying Flight Simulator because just like the actual, you know, meat of these planes is not really something, you know, specifically how they handle. I thought I'm of pretty before. sure we've had a code for mechanic simulator somewhere or another. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, dig, dig, dig might be it. on the group account. And try to find that stuff. But uh, I've always just been, you know, fine with, uh, you know, I, I might be at a point where I will, you know, purchase a new car in the next couple of years. And I'm just mm. like, I'm, I don't really have a Dodge Charger, I think is probably if I had to pick any car, Vin Diesel's car in Fast and the Furious. That's always kind of been my, my jam. I really like the way that car looks. I tend to gravitate more towards muscle cars when I play GTA online. Um, but uh, when it comes to the practical nature of driving in California, I'll probably just get a, a tiny electric thing that can fit in. Okay, there's okay for spaces. the simulators. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. The simulators that we have. Nice. <laughs> oh, these like, are on I a Steam account. That. These are on, on the, a Steam account. On the group Steam account. Yeah. Nice. So we have Cooking Simulator. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We have Diesel Brothers Truck Building Simulator. Cool. We have Job Simulator, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Plane Mechanic Simulator. Vacation Simulator. We have. <laughs> Rover Mechanic Simulator, The Sims 3, of course, Thief Simulator, oh. Thief Simulator VR, Treasure Hunter Simulator, and yes, Vacation Simulator. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe I'll learn more about actually, you know, changing my own oil or, uh, you know, swapping out a spark plug. Maybe I can, uh, you know, get better at someday. But uh, until then, I'll just uh, uh, t- leave that up to the professionals. Uh, you mentioned, like being stuck in traffic and listening to podcasts and stuff. And that's actually something I really miss about driving is I love listening to music. Um, and I, I listen to a lot of podcast stuff as well, kind of podcasty stuff as well. But, uh, because I don't drive and haven't really driven a lot in what, six months. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to do that, which sucks. But the, the thing that always annoys me about being stuck in traffic is not like if it's a long drive or if there's traffic, it's not a big deal. I just hate the feeling of not moving. That's where I go a little stir crazy is when it's sure. just the start and stop, start and stop. That sensation, there's something about it. I just I can't I can't stand it. I, I think I will take not moving over somebody being a total jerk any mm. day of the week. I think that's the main thing that drives me nuts. Is sure. To see people that uh, are just so clearly crazy and patient. And I've always been a big fan of cartoons and puppets. And so whenever I see a car, that car has a voice. And so whenever somebody will like cut someone off or like the other day I saw somebody get in the left lane. Actually, no, there wasn't even a left-hand turn lane. They got in the middle lane, drove through the intersection, through the opposite lane of traffic on the other side of the intersection. So this is the lane that somebody would turn left in to take their left right through that and then, you know, came back right into traffic. And I, all I can see when I hear that is just somebody 
that just like I have to go somewhere, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Unlike everyone else, you know, it, it's it's Frank. Everyone, Frank's coming through. Everybody, get out of the way. Yeah, because we're all not in cars, all trying to get somewhere. Sure, I have very very little patience for people that are just like. Uh, and it's tough because if you when you get you know in your neighborhood you kind of start to pick up on those like problem areas those turns where like some you know most yeah. people don't know what they're getting themselves into and you can just you see a car and you're like you're gonna cut me off I know it I know it it's not gonna happen <laughs> for thirty seconds but I know there it is you cut me off like, yeah that that can really get to me one of the craziest things that I saw was actually back in Iowa where somebody was in the right lane and just popped up on the sidewalk. And like, just didn't realize it. And I was like, oh my God, like, what if there were pedestrians that were walking? Like, it was, it was just like this, like, bloop. And it was kind of terrifying. She, and she was clearly shaken, but yeah. Ugh. All right, hmm. Brandon, you're on a roll. Give me, give me one more opinion <laughs> to finish off this opinion combo. I think my favorite jerk that I always tried to look at, they never look back, but I love the person that is going extremely fast towards a red light and they'll just like go flying past me or cut me off yeah. uh, or be upset when I'm pulling onto a street or, you know, they're just like weaving through traffic and then they stop. And then like, I come up two minutes later and just like, hi, hey. <laughs> like, I don't know what, I hope that was worth it. You're not know, saving like, any time. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally <laughs> I know, know what you mean. So yeah. crazy upset. <laughs> About having to go somewhere. Uh, also fun is the left-hand turn arrow turned, but your green light didn't go. And so they go, oh, <laughs> you know, they see they see something green happen. Yeah. And they get real excited. Um, but at the same time, if you are in the if you are the first car on a green arrow, it is your duty to go when that green arrow starts. Get off the phone, get off the radio, look at that light. You have 10 people behind you that are counting on you. Every single time I'm in the back and that green light goes, I count. I go one, two, three, four. Come on. Before you see that car finally turns. Do you do the like, like one honk? Hey, wake up. I'm not a big honker. I feel because I always feel bad. I always honk when someone's crossing the street. I always mm-hmm. like it's always the right hand turn lane and I'm just like there and I'm like, oh, come on. And then I'll see some like old lady and this, like what <laughs> a walker. And I'm like, I'm like no, sorry, uh-huh. sorry. And then I have to drive past her. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I thought they forgot. Um, you know, clearly you have right of way. Old lady. <laughs> Brendan, that was a very spirited best talk. You really, I, you really committed to it. I could easily start a YouTube channel about driving safety. I have, <laughs> okay. I have a lot of opinions because because dri- one more thing because driving is something that like we all took a pa- we all took a test how many years ago and then we just I guess don't have to do that again. And yeah. so I think so many people just don't like really know yeah. what right of way means and like where you're supposed to go. And um, I, I, yeah, there's there's one there's one intersection near my house where like people just always turn left and there's not a light there. And so like you are the lowest class citizen in this intersection. You have to wait for everyone. You have to wait for the guy going past you, the guy turning left. And like I, every time I always take a right there, cause I never take a left and I always pass some guy and I can see them. They're like, I've been here for 10 minutes. And it's like, we'll go to an intersection where there's a street light, dude. I don't know what to tell you, man. You, you picked, you decided to be here and you're going to have to wait for everybody before you get to go. But so I'd love to I'd love to inform people via YouTube about driving rules. The only thing is no one wants to watch that. That's the <laughs> I think if you I no think, one wants to be told how to drive. On the I internet. think our audience would be into it if you did it through easy hours where it's like, hey, 
Brandon does. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the first, like, Brandon teaches driving video. Yeah. And the, the YouTube comment is, is this the game trailers guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> I'll bring Kyle back as the bad driver. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So whenever I'm like, hey, buddy. He's like, ah. It's Kyle. Yeah. Uh, this best take, well done, Brandon, was, was brought to us by some wonderful shout out to your patrons. Uh, it's a $250 tier on Patreon where we will uh, shout you out on all of our available podcasts. If you want to learn more about that, go to patreon.com slash easy allies. What I thought we would do for this shout out, gentlemen, is I'm going to read all of them. And then we're pretending we're going to pretend like we end we're ending like a Broadway show. Okay, so it'll be like like the final song in a Broadway show. That'll be our like shout out. So it's got to be really bombastic and big and sing-songy. Okay. The words shout out, not these names, but the no, yeah. So I'm gonna read all the names, and then we're gonna do one big one final big. shout out. <clears throat> okay. Thank you to El Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, J L Burton. LLC, Jeff ZOVGM, Easton, and Delissy. Shout out! Good. Good. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, back to video games. Uh, let's talk about Wasteland 3, shall we? Yeah! Let's do it. Ben, what's your experience with Wasteland? Did you play one and two? Uh, I reviewed two, actually. I did not play... I actually did play a little bit of one. Um, I don't remember why I played one. I played one for like some project or something. One was very... One is an old game. It was hard to get into. But uh, I enjoyed two when I played two. Um, and yeah, I think two was like 2014, 2015, I want to say. Were you surprised by three? Because I, I kind of get a vibe that like we fans weren't sure if they were going to get a three or is this just, was it expected? Is this just, am I, this is not like a Bill and Ted face the music situation. This is like, Oh no, this is Wasteland three. It's um, time. I don't, I don't know how well Wasteland two sold, but I know it was received well. Hmm. Um, and so I guess it, I, I didn't really have that sensation where uh, it was like, Oh man, Wasteland three. I can't believe it. Uh, just playing Wasteland two and being like, Oh, this, there's a lot here. This is really good. Um, Playing Wasteland 3, yeah, hasn't been a surprise. Um, and man, comparing the two games, uh, Wasteland 3 is kind of a, a huge improvement in a lot of ways. Um, I think just visually, uh, it's a big improvement, how they present things. Like when you talk to certain important characters, they they kind of have this like big individually animated thing rather than just like a text box and a portrait or something. And so it gives them a lot more character that you can kind of see them emote and you can kind of see their, their reactions as you're, you know, saying things to them. Maybe you're shit talking them or they're trying to, you know, blackmail you, whatever it is they're trying to do. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting, but yeah, I think the thing with Oasis three and I, I saw people kind of concerned, um, do I have to play other Wasteland games in order to enjoy Wasteland 3? And I remember almost nothing about Wasteland 2, and <laughs> I don't have much experience at all with Wasteland 1. It does reference stuff from the past quite a bit, but I think there's enough of a self-contained story in Wasteland 3 that you can totally jump in, have a good time, 
don't overthink it too much. Uh, that has been my experience so far with Wasteland 3. And I think to kind of sum up the game, um, it is... So if, you, if you're a fan of CRPGs, right, and you just if you just enjoy fascinating worlds, great characters, uh, intense combat, great decision-making, like, it has all of that stuff. And I wouldn't say it's really, you know, reinventing the wheel when it comes to that style of game, but it, do, it doesn't matter because it does it all so well. Um, and I really, really love, and it's a big thing for me, when... You're forming a party, right? And it's a maximum of six people in this game. And you're making these decisions, right? You're allocating your attributes, your skills, your perks. And you're like, oh my God, like all of this stuff is having an immediate effect and everything seems useful. I love that. I hate building a character and being like, oh man, like why did I invest so much in this? Um, Mm. And pretty much every time I've done a quest in Wasteland 3, it's like some other skill where it's like, oh man, if my barter was higher here, I could have had this option. Or if Animal Whisperer was higher, I could have had this option. Or lockpicking or whatever. And so it makes leveling up extremely exciting and kind of fascinating because I I feel like I'm being pulled in so many different directions where the non-combat stuff is really important and i i'm like okay i need to make sure i have a character that can do you know everything uh i need a somebody that can lockpick i need somebody that can hack i need i need all of this stuff um but also the combat is demanding enough that i also constantly when i level up just want to make people more accurate to have them do more damage to you know make my crits higher all of that stuff and so um i i love that and i i think the leveling up at least in the early game has been quick enough that uh, it's if there is something I'm chasing after, I can kind of get there. So it's nice being like, oh, you know, I can't. I have this dialogue option because I just got that level, you know, 30 minutes ago or whatever. And so it feels like there's kind of an immediate payoff for these choices that I really like. Um, but when it comes to choices, something that I really want to emphasize about Wasteland Three, something that it does so well is <clears throat> um, every quest that I've done, I feel like there's been some meaningful choice that I've had to do. And as you would hope for a game, I think kind of set in the post-apocalypse, right? It's, it's nothing but gray. Like a lot of times it's like, I have to make, (laughs) you know, a terrible decision here and all of the outcomes are bad. Like somebody's going to get screwed over. Somebody's going to die or not get what they want. Um, And so that happens a lot, but also what's great is there's this whole reputation system. So a lot of times you'll do a quest and you'll get pulled between two different factions where it's like, do I want to help out the refugees who are clearly suffering and, and, and need somebody to kind of go to bat for them? Or do I want to help out the marshals who I'm, I'm working with and, you know, have important information for me. And it's like, you can kind of um, reason out like, both of these ways like seem equally valid. Like it's never as simple as like, these are clearly the good guys or these are clearly the bad guys. I mean, they're definitely shitty people, but I I think there's like, you can kind of come up with a logical reason for taking any one of the various paths, which is cool. And um, there have definitely been times where I've made a decision and then I've seen the outcome and I'm like, oh no, I should have, I'm curious what the other thing would have been, which is neat. And that kind of plays out in combat as well. There was a great scene where I was in this bar and... um, 
the police, the marshals came in. They're essentially kind of the police. And I liked the marshals, but the guy that was running this bar, this kind of like gangster guy, was doing something for me and I was helping him out. And so I wanted to protect him. So I actually went against the marshals and you had this huge like kind of bar fight break out. And all of the the like bartenders and dancers and stuff came in in the battle and helped me out. And they they wow. don't they didn't have any weapons, so they were just like <laughs> trying to punch these marshals, uh, which was pretty fantastic. Um, and there is <clears throat> so there's all these different like settlements and areas that you can explore, which is really cool. Um, but <clears throat> there's also this kind of open world that connects them all, and this was in Wasteland too as well. But uh, you have this vehicle and it's fun just kind of being in this giant tanky vehicle and, and kind of going from point to point. And there are like encounters that you can get into. And this, this giant tank like vehicle can be part of the battle, which is really cool. And just having it devastate people is great, but it can also take damage. And so it's like, well, I want a mechanic that can, you know, repair this and, 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 and make it more feasible, which is neat. But um, there was this moment where it was like, I, I got two different calls over the radio and the game came up with like kind of this tooltip, and it was like, you're only going to be able to do one of these quests, um, and you know you're just going to have to live with that. You're going to have to live with those consequences. And so I went <clears throat> and I protected this shipment, and it was like kind of brutal because the other quest, there were these bandits that held these people captive, and I got a call on the radio, and he's like, you didn't come save them, so I'm just going to murder them, and I'm, I'm like hearing their screams on the radio. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a ton of consequence uh, in this game that's that's really fantastic. And um, I love like Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, but I think Divinity Original Sin 2 is, is such a, or at least was for me, a difficult game to get into because there was so much to learn and it was so punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't quite like that, where I feel like things are kind of presented enough where clearly enough where it's it's intuitive and combat is definitely intense and you have to pay attention to healing items and how you're positioning people and you know ammunition and all that stuff but it hasn't been like unforgiving to the point where i'm like oh i don't know if i really want to keep going on with this um it's just been engrossing i think uh that's something to, to kind of wrap up uh, this talk about Wasteland 3 is that's the word I would use for it. It's engrossing. And unlike a lot of other games in this genre where I feel like it really takes a while uh, to to get going and to understand like, okay, this is kind of the heart of this game. I think Wasteland 3 gives you access to so much immediately. You know, it has a very exciting intro where thing it kind of tutorializes you and you're trying to get out of this bad situation where this giant bandit group is attacking you. Um, but then after that, you just kind of get dumped into this town and you have a ton of options, a, a lot of people to talk to, places to explore, secrets to uncover, uh, quests to get involved in, both main and secondary. And uh, yeah, it just it gets you into the thick of things right away. And I really appreciate that. So. At the point where you're at in the game, how many uh, playable characters do you have? Like how many people are in your party? Yeah. Um, so because the game is co-op, uh, you actually kind of, at the start of the game, you can either pick two, like a pair of two, and they kind of have their own relationship and their own skills. So yeah. these pre-made pairs that you can do, or you can create your own custom pair. But because it's co-op, you kind of have to start with two. So you get two right away. Um 
and you kind of go through the tutorial and then you get your own base, which is another thing that I didn't mention mm. is you, you have your own ranger base and you're recruiting people and bringing them into the base. And so watching it grow and expand is really, really neat. Um, but once you get that base, which is almost immediately, um, you can kind of recruit these sort of nondescript characters, uh, Brandon, right away to kind of flesh out your party. So it's kind of like you're okay. hiring people. Got it. But then there are named characters that, you know, have their own storylines that you will meet throughout the game and you can swap them in at any time. Got it. And uh, yeah, so you, you it's, a, it's a maximum of six overall, but uh, I think it's like you can have four of like kind of the the filler characters, the the characters that you just sort of hire, you can have a maximum of four of those, and then I think um, six total. Um, but yeah, I think in my party right now, I've got the two characters that I started with. I've got two named characters that are very involved in the story and will speak up and have actually been great characters so far, and then two that oh no no three three named characters that have their kind of their own story. And then one that I just sort of hired that's just kind of hanging around. Got it. But I think I always get kind of worried when you have characters like that that aren't very involved because I, I love character interactions. Um, and yeah, I think Divinity Original Sin 2, a, a complaint that I had about it is I wish the characters, because they were so good, spoke up a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. But the characters that I've been finding have really chipped in and have, have had great stories. Like there's kind of this little girl that you uh, recruit and her family is in danger and how that resolves itself has been awesome and very character driven. And so that hasn't been a concern really. But uh, speaking of co-op, I haven't had a chance to mess around with it. I don't think any of the other allies have the game um, and I haven't had anybody to play it with yet, but uh I love the idea of it, and I'm very curious. I hope I get to check it out at some yeah. point. Yeah, oh, I'm curious too whether you know, like, say, you know, if one of us did get it and then start it up, right? Would we? Would it be feasible for us to jump into your game, or is it just like, no, we got to be similar level, you know? Yeah, um, th it does have like every quest that you do does have a recommended level, um, and it seems color-coded so you'll actually get things something that i i like about it is they kind of give you like in-game quests right away where they're like hey we got to take out and deal with these three people not really take out but deal with these three people and you see it in your quest log and it's like okay i'm not going to be there for another 20 levels <laughs> um but i'm sure clever people can probably find a way to you know use their skills to get past that stuff very early on um, but otherwise, like if it's super below your level, it'll be green in your quest log, or if it's, you know, if you're in the range, it'll be white, but yeah, uh, very, very, very solid game. Very engrossing. I've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. I think I always get nervous, uh, with these types of games and blood. We talked about this when we got the wasteland three email, yeah. it was like, yeah, you know, expect it to take 80 to a hundred hours and, you know, I'm no stranger to long games, but it's, it's always like such a huge, like, um, but yeah, I, I think even with that kind of worry and fear about the time commitment, I've been, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. So yeah, good time. Check it out. It's on game pass. Um, let's see, where should we go here? 
Bloodworth, you, you know, you always bring games to, to frame trap where you're like, Oh man. Um, like I've never heard of that before. Like you always bring in smaller stuff and you did this time as well. But, um, you were like, Ben, I want to talk about X-Men. And I was like, what, (laughs) what do you, what do you mean? You want to talk about (laughs) X-Men? Talk to me about X-Men. Yeah, so this has been my summer rabbit hole. Um, it's you know kind of started as, as things uh, tend to do, to where like I just finished up, you know, whatever, catching up on whatever series we had been watching, and I'm like, okay, well, let's look through what else is on Hulu, and just going through, going through, and like, okay, well, there's Legion, and I've heard Legion is good, I think maybe, <laughs> so let's just check it out and give it a shot um and so i started with that and that that show um it's it's interesting because it's got some of the people behind uh fargo Mm. um, fargo is phenomenal by the way yeah Yeah. and so (laughs) it's imagine them being completely taken off the the rails of reality you know, if they don't have to hold down right. the rules of basic time and space. I then... think you could argue that, like, Fargo pushes that sometimes. Uh, uh, yeah, at yeah. points, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so great cinematography, really crazy situations, you know, and just exploring, you know. And, and what's funny is with a lot of these uh, the, these X-Men spinoffs, and including the next one I'll get to, is... I didn't really know anything about this character. And then I look up the wiki and like, oh, this is a real guy. And then this is a real guy. And it's like, oh, their stories are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and Legion, basically, you know, it's a story about a mutant who is, you know, his, you know, mental illness and is dealing with these things and doesn't at times know what's real and what's in his head. And, yeah. you know, the series starts out in an asylum and it goes into all kinds of crazy directions. And it's one of these, it's definitely a show where I like, it's it's so made for binge watching because I cannot imagine you being able to remember what the heck is going on unless you just watch all this stuff, you know, back to back in the span of a few weeks because it 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 goes places. Is that, I mean, that, that actually kind of worries me a little bit because it like, I appreciate a show that gets weird and wild, but are you ever watching it? And, you know, even if you are watching it back to back, are you kind of like, wait, I don't, you're, you're losing me. There are definitely times when you're like, what the heck is going on? Uh, but it's like I said, I think there's just, there's great characters and the great cinematography and lighting and everything else that's going on in there. Like, I think it's one that's done so well that you are sort of along for the ride Mm -hmm. and eventually things pull kind of back together. You know, eventually you see, you know, where where things are going and where things are going to resolve. That's interesting because that's, that's kind of exactly how I would describe Fargo. Um, There are definitely things that they kind of show off early on that I think come into clear view. So yeah, interesting similarities between the two shows. But yeah, and so then after that, I went on to The Gifted, um, which similarly to how I started, you know, 
catching on to things like this person was in Fargo or whatever. Like when the gifted, I'm like, I'm seeing characters or not characters. I'm seeing actors and stuff from Burn Notice. And I look and like, oh, yeah, it's it's from the Burn Notice show. <laughs> ah. well, so like, I, you know, and me and my, my wife are big Burn Notice fans. Um, you know, watch that whole series uh, as it happened. Um, and yeah, so it, and, and again, similar thing. We're like, you, you, it's mostly like trying to present the X-Men or a post X-Men world, I guess, um, with a more realistic tone. And like, this is like, imagining what it would be like if there were real people going through all of this and you know not everybody has crazy costumes and um and yeah and so it's it's following this family but then you get in and you get these people that have code names and then you look it up like oh yeah that's that's a again that's a real character that i've forgotten about that just isn't as prominent in like a lot of the you know games and movies and things like that and so it's interesting to see those things like weaved in there, they even have uh, the gifted has a a lot going on with uh, the Morlocks, um, who are in the the animated oh. series and stuff. Um, but what what's kind of a bummer with that is even though like I really enjoyed it, it's one of those series that they they, they just killed it at like the end of the second season, and so they resolved the arc, but then they set up this cliffhanger for where things are going to go next, and like. That's they never the worst. Go there. That's yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah, uh, Blood, you mentioned a couple of times how, because I've been on a superhero kick as well, and you mentioned a couple of times how, like, it's nice that all of these maybe, like, more obscure characters are kind of getting the spotlight. I think that's kind of the benefit of this, like, superhero explosion that has happened in pulp, pop culture over the past decade is, like, nothing feels like it's off the table in terms of uh, comic book heroes getting a, a real life adaptation in one way or another which is kind of cool right i like that and what's what's crazy to me about both of these live action series uh is that they seem to be better than any of the x-men movies <laughs> except maybe a couple of the early ones you know <laughs> i see i actually had this conversation with my wife i like today we were talking about x-men movies and the ones that i really remember and stick with me are days of future past I think it's good and Logan. Yeah, there's some good X Men movies for sure. Um, and then uh, where I'm at now is yeah, watching uh, the animated series, which like, I almost said rewatching, but there's there's definitely parts of this that I never saw, you know, because mm-hmm. I was just you know, a teenager watching it. You know, when they came on Saturday morning, and part of that rabbit hole was like trying to watch it on Disney Plus. And like coming across things that were clearly out of order, I'm like, what is going on here? And then finding out that, okay, well, there's a script order and then there's a production order and then there's an order that they aired them in. And so even when they were originally aired, they were basically out of order. Mm-hmm. And then they got even more jumbled up <laughs> when they ended up on D- DVDs and Disney Plus. So I'm like going through this thing uh, uh, that's basically like a guide of the, the intended script order. And even then, there's like once in a while, we're like, oh, we should have watched this one before the one. Are you taking notes, Blood? I want to steal that list from you when you're done. Um, yeah, I've got I've got a link. I think there's okay. maybe just like one or two spots where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. watch this one before that one because it'll make a little bit more sense. Uh, but it's, it's there's yeah, like there's a lot of stuff, this stuff that I hadn't seen. And then um, 
again, like I was saying, like some of these characters that I just, oh, they were in the animated series. I had no idea. So like there's a character that's in the gifted and like I'd never heard of her before. And like, oh, she's in the animated series as well. <laughs> and then uh came across, what is it? Uh, Warlock is like a black and yellow guy. Uh, like with he he's kind of like a digital entity. I don't even know exactly how to describe him. Hmm. And uh, and I I had never seen this episode of the animated series before. I'm like I've seen him, and then that got me to pull out that small comic collection I have mm-hmm. because I got this little like set that was sold together that was like a cable set, and so there were like two like standalone cable comics. And a reissue of the New Mutants uh, issue that Cable first appeared in. And in that New Mutants issue, Warlock was one of the characters. Hmm. And he's just such a distinctive looking creature mm-hmm. that it, like, once I saw him in the anime, so he's like, wait, that guy? So, um, and he has a like really weird speech pattern and everything because he's from this alien world and stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, so it's it's been really interesting to go into, like, some of these, like, really, you know, uh, complicated stories of, like, yeah. the time traveling and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, and now we are just about done. We started season five. And season five is clearly, like, something happened here. <laughs> like, we went from, like, really good story arcs and a lot of stuff tying together and um, telling you a lot of interesting things to just like jubilee's got a bunch of kids in a cave under the mansion and she's telling this weird story and like all the animation is off and looks bad and voices have changed and it's just like what happened to season five as as kyle bossman famously said you can see the point where the money ran out yeah (laughs) uh blood it's really interesting hearing you talk about x-men the animated series because <clears throat> that was something that was like specifically isolated to my childhood where I loved watching it on TV as a kid, but I would almost be afraid of revisiting it because I don't know if it would be as good as my memory. But I, I feel like if you can watch it now with your wife and have a good time, like it must, it must hold up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think it holds up. And I've, you know, as when I was going through to figure out all that script order, like I saw people saying, it's like, this is the best adaptation that there is, you know, from the comics of a lot of these stories. And what's surprising is how quickly they get through something that seems like this is a huge thing, right? Like something like the Phoenix saga. And it's like, yeah. that's four episodes, you know, four 20 minute episodes. And whoop, whoop, you know, and there's definitely a lot more that goes on in the comics, you know, because of like, how long did some of those things go, Brandon? Like years at, at times? Like, uh, yeah. Phoenix saga, Phoenix saga was a huge buildup. Yeah. Um, so but and it was yeah. even i mean not only that but like what if you were to go you know try to find the bulk of it it's a reaction to things that had already happened you know it was right. like gene wasn't even the phoenix during the best parts of it you know she was like oh yeah i did that stuff back there my bad you know it's like <laughs> no you know, like destroyed a planet we got to deal with that <laughs> yeah uh but yeah but it's interesting that they really did such a great job of like getting the character relationships 
right? And, mm. and just the interaction which, which is between the, people. That's the X-Men. That's the best thing about the X-Men. Yeah. Is it's like so many of these, you know, other, like we we're talking about Marvel and DC and so much of that is interchangeable, you know, where it's just like, oh, you can, Deadpool can just do his own thing on his own. But it's like, it, it, and that's what pisses me off so much about those movies where it's like, you know, they took out what you know made these characters so authentic and so unique and diverse and and why it was so much fun to put them together you know and have them you know all have their own struggles and, and none of them really be happy about their powers yeah. or, or where they were at but yeah. uh, i saw like a scathing commentary from the one of the creators of the new mutants about the movie that just came out and she's like none of these characters resemble anything that yeah. i came up with yeah I and saw they didn't that, even yeah. spell his name right that has to be so frustrating just watching something that yeah. Is your baby you just get completely mutilated? Dude, Maisie, Maisie Williams has had an amazing tweet today where there was some review that said this is without a doubt the worst X Men film that's ever been made, and she retweeted it. And she said, "Sounds like a blast. Buy tickets now." <laughs> so, what do you, what do you She didn't write it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, How the one thing that I will X-Men say, movie? I adjust it to Ben, but it is kind of funny when you first start watching. Hmm. Is just the the voice acting is just like so hard into those stereotypes yeah you know? yeah like just the, the gambit and rogue accents yeah and well like but there's a lot of people that are just like they're just doing their best john wayne or jack nicholson impression yeah <laughs> but that was like written in the comics you know like whenever mm-hmm. road said sugar you know it was always yeah. like it always had a little accent on it you know so they, they were that was unmistakable there was no way to read it otherwise gambit doesn't get enough love not at all yeah it, it's not just in yeah. origins right x-men origins that was it right that was like the only that was uh taylor what's his butt sorry yeah played him in like a scene <laughs> i i think i saw x-men origins wolverine i definitely did yeah i'm pretty sure i saw at least parts of it i mean that's the uh, you know that's what ryan reynolds is in that that's uh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So if you remember that, you definitely saw it. <laughs> uh, blood. Well, I just I just remember the the way that he looks and like. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about X Men Origins. Blood. Has this kind of uh, X Men journey that you've been on inspired you to like pick up comics at all and 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 dive into those storylines a little bit more deeply, or are you just pretty content uh, watching the shows right now? Um, well, you, that's the thing is like figuring out like, okay, where do I go from here? You know, cause that's I always the tricky thing. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of the movies, but they're also sort of scattered in terms of where they are right now, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. going to be tricky, but uh, yeah, I do want to sort of figure out like, okay, what's the best way for me to actually read up on the originals, but it's also such a different, it's a different life pattern, right. To like move into, because like was you're watching a show particularly on a streaming service we can just go episode to episode right you know it's just like okay when we eat dinner we're gonna sit down we're gonna watch the show we're gonna watch two or three more episodes after that and then the next night we'll do the same thing whereas like if i'm gonna read (laughs) like that's something that i'm going to do by myself right and make time for completely separately you know so it's just Uh, like you gotta put in a different you are on disney plus now for the show right you're watching yeah. that on Disney Plus. Uh, the first X Men, uh, they have X Men One and Apocalypse and Days of Future Past, um, but they have the first one. So if you want to just like you know get a taste of that and see if you're at all interested in watching more, uh, yeah, Blood- I totally remember not liking the first one when it came out. <laughs> oh, okay, so you did see that? Yeah, I, but I, yeah, I, I definitely would, I haven't really watched. I haven't watched a lot of movies repeatedly, so it'd be interesting to to go back through them. Do you have? I- 
I assume you have like an iPad or something. Um, I don't have an iPad itself. Okay. My, my wife has an iPad, um, but because I was going to say, one of my own. Uh, you mentioned like reading and something that you do by mm. yourself. It's it's very if you if you want like a nice going to bed activity, like reading a comic in bed just before you fall asleep on like Kindle or something on your iPad. This is not a bad way to go. It's not a bad way to go. Uh, but speaking of comic book characters and games and stuff, I played through uh, Batman Arkham Origins and oh, wow. the DLC. Yeah, Cold Cold oh, Heart. I don't know if I... Oh, oh wait. I think I, I think I played the DLC. I don't know. Cold Cold the, Heart the, uh, is centered around Mr. Freeze. So they and, did do Freeze in the regular campaign. Okay, I didn't... They didn't I, well, I, yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't think they talk about freeze at all in the regular campaign. I'm trying to remember, but oh, yeah, cool. it's sort then, of yeah. Then I definitely checked it out. In the the Arkham universe, it's sort of his first introduction to Mister Freeze and and who he is. Just like it is in Origins, where he's like learning who the Joker is and all that stuff. So it's it's that, but with Mister Freeze, it's actually fantastic. Um, there's this really cool section in the DLC at the beginning where you're playing as Bruce Wayne going through and just beating up thugs as Bruce Wayne. And then you transition into Batman and you go and you take on Mr. Freeze and to take on Mr. Freeze, you need this like thermal suit where you can charge up your punches to be fire punches. And it's really fun. <laughs> um, but Brandon, I'm actually curious. I, Cause I don't know if you had a similar, I think I had a really shitty mindset when Arkham origins came out. And I think I had like, kind of this bias against this because it wasn't rock steady. And so I think mm. I just, in my mind, I just kind of put it on the back burner. It's like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, it just, it just didn't feel as important. Mm -hmm. I think as like, like origins or city did to me at the time, but I really like this game. It's fun. Um, yeah. I love the setup. I love these, these assassins that are after Batman and you kind of having a showdown with them individually. The boss fights are fantastic, which is something Hubris talked about uh, quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the gameplay, I, I don't think there's anything too revolutionary here. Uh, some of the things are fun. Like you get this like just cause grappling hook where you mm -hmm. can uh, tie guys together and have them like bonk into each other with this rope that you shoot at them. Or you can get like a, like a exploding barrel and tie it to that and then tie it to the other guy and then they'll come and kind of collide and it's a way you can take them out, which is fun. Um, the You have a glue grenade, which just looks funny, just like throwing glue at guards <laughs> is, is fun. Um, the electric gloves are weird. So there's this yeah. villain, the electrocutioner, and you can get his gauntlets. And then <clears throat> as you're fighting and building up your combo... Uh, you're building up kind of the shock meter and it's the, they, it's the thermal stuff and cold, cold heart. Um, and visually it's really, really cool, but it sort of feels like an I win button. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's one of the major concerns from that game. Is yeah. That you get to that point, it just stops being hard. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you just, once you build up the shot gloves, you can kind of just bulldoze through any enemy type, which yeah. is satisfying on one hand, but it, yeah, it feels like it kind of breaks the game. But um, Brandon, my biggest thing with Arkham Origins, and I think the reason why I, I ended up enjoying it so much is how it handles the characters mm -hmm. um, and how it how well it kind of handles this this sort of early look on Batman and his relationship with mm -hmm. Commissioner Gordon and, and the tension between the two of them, um, as well as Alfred. 
I think out of any of the games, this is this is my favorite portrayal of the relationship between Batman and Alfred and how they kind of butt heads and how mm. like Alfred is like, what are you doing, you idiot? Yeah. Like you you can't go against this. Um but because he's yeah. just getting used to it. You know, he's just Alfred's getting used like, to it. They, you know, they yeah. don't understand kind of like what there definitely is the mood later on that it's just like okay, another night, another you know, um, another mission. Right. Uh, but they, they, he's he's just finding his limits, and uh, yeah, actually one of my favorite Joker moments in comics, in film, in games, in TV, in anything uh, is in Origins. Uh, the, the kind of like their introduction, uh, Batman and Joker's introduction in this mm-hmm. uh, is really, really, really well done. And like, I, I'm so infatuated with these characters that like all it takes is just like a glance or just one right. thing done a particular way. And, you know, we've seen that we, we've seen these two characters interact with each other. But like, it's tough to think of the first time, even in like Dark Knight going from Batman Begins to Dark Knight. We never really get like that first introduction you know of mm. these two uh and the way that they do it i don't know if we like go, go specifically into details if it's been too long if i can like describe the scene but um uh they just have and it's troy baker killing it when that when the, when the game was yeah when the game was over i was like i wonder who did joker and i'm like oh are you kidding me yeah. like did not pick up that that was him that um, was actually something i think there's another reason why i was worried is you know kevin conroy and mark hamill are obviously just so legendary and iconic yeah. in those individual roles that I was worried about the performances. I don't know who voices Batman, but uh, he does a great job. And Troy Baker as Joker does a really good it, job. I think it might be Roger Craig Smith. I, might, I think it might okay. be the guy from um, uh, Apex. And shout out, uh, I believe Craig Nolan North does the Penguin. And he also mm-hmm. does a great job in that role. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, Troy Baker, as you said, killing it for sure. Um, but yeah, I think another reason why I enjoyed Origin so much is it, it's just paced extremely well like before i knew it it was over where uh mm-hmm. you just kind of jump from villain to villain and <clears throat> something that the arkham series does really really well uh that a lot of games don't is the boss fights all feel really unique where it's like you're not just doing free throw combat against a, like every single boss in the exact same way like copperhead bites you and you're like freaking out and you're seeing you know multiple copies of her or you know if you do the dead shot side quest you kind of have to very stealthily sneak around and 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 make sure you don't get seen and trying to to get them and so i you know they they reuse ideas certainly but i think there's also a pretty conscious effort uh to mix things up and man that that uh, Deathstroke boss fight is incredible. Like, it's just so good visually. Uh, it's just really exciting to do. So I, I could totally see why Huber loves it so much. Yeah. And it also, again, kind of excites me that I'm not upset that Gotham Knights doesn't take place in the Arkham universe because it's going to be fun to see that team yeah. Have, yeah. Their, have their way with it. All the characters and the right. um, the, the city itself. It's going to be interesting to see you know, if they remap it and how that goes. Yeah, and that's, that's actually something that I am really excited for with Gotham Knights because when Rocksteady did kind of focus on other characters in the Bat family, like... Um, the Matter of Family DLC for Arkham Knight. I don't know if you did that, but you play mm-hmm. as Batgirl uh, mm-hmm. in that, and I thought that was good. And so, just like an entire game of that, um, I'm looking forward to it for sure. But yeah, good time. I it's I hate it though because now I've played through all the Arkham games, nah. <laughs> and uh, my wife has actually never seen Asylum and City, so we're gonna replay. I'm gonna replay those 
because nice. um, she she really enjoys watching the games. But I, I hate that feeling when you kind of play all the games in the series and you're just like, I really wish there was a new one. Like, I really uh-huh. wish there was another Arkham game that yeah. I could just sink my teeth into. Not but for another year. Yeah, we're getting Gotham Knights uh, next year and then Suicide Squad 2022. So not too terribly long. Dibs on Nightwing. Dibs on Nightwing. I probably want to play, I don't know, Batgirl and Red Hood both seem equally interesting yeah red mm-hmm. red hood seems fun i don't um, think i got into him in the dlc so i don't I, I never checked him out yeah i did the red hood dlc it's like 10 minutes long you like mm, yeah the batgirl dlc was also pretty short too yeah not that short but yeah it's just like one you're, you're facing off against like black mascoons or whatever uh but blood mm-hmm. talk to me about bartlow's dread machine yeah um this is a crazy looking game which is why i was attracted to it it's it's still in early access uh, so there's still things that they're releasing. I think they just released like some ocean pack or something that I haven't, haven't seen yet. Uh, but I just put a couple of hours into it the past couple of days. So it's presented. Um, originally, the way they made it presented, it almost made it sound like it was a real thing, but it's totally not. Uh, but it's presented as if it's like an early like carnival arcade machine where like everything about it is made up of like cogs and chains and you know little wires and things moving about so like when you start a level like well when you start the game you kind of look into the cabinet sort of but when Mm -hmm. you start a level like all of these tiles come up and then flip to form like the level that you're going to walk across yeah and then like there's just all of these props that are um like bushes and and houses and things like that that like when you shoot them like you'll like ding a bit of paint off or whatever some things are a little bit more destructible blood Um, i had never heard of this game and i i just wanted to look it up before the show so i had some frame of reference and just watching the trailer i was like oh man i totally see why blood was drawn to this like that the the idea and visually it's so so cool yeah yeah and so, and then your character is just like a little little puppet guy, like metal or wooden puppet. I'm not sure exactly what it's made out of mm-hmm. on, you know, like on, on a wire. And so where you can move are just through these like slots, almost like a slot car racer or something that are in the level. And so you, you, you move around on these grids. Um, and then the gameplay is, just, I mean, it's, it's essentially just a twin stick shooter, uh, but there's uh, a lot of kind of, things that go into that in terms of um, there is like a cover system and destructible things. And um, I've gotten into some little puzzle elements here and there. Um, I've gotten to some bits where there are these um, items that you have to ricochet bullets off of. So if you want to hit a sniper, well, you you can't aim because again, you've just got this guy that you can rotate. Mm -hmm. So you hit the ricochet thing and then that hits your bullet up into the window to hit the sniper. and then, like, the story that it's got going on is just totally bizarre. <laughs> Again, like, kind of, it kind of reminds me of something like Bioshock Infinite or Outer Worlds or something where it's kind of going for that period piece kind of thing where it's like, okay, President Roosevelt has been abducted by these anarcho Satanists. <laughs> what did again. you even just say? <laughs> um and like you go it like 
and, and I'm not exactly sure what you are. Like, I think you're some kind of federal agent or something, but like you get into the agency and like you, you try to tell your, your director what's going on and your director gets turned into this monster with like tentacles and giant eyeballs. And <laughs> so you have this big boss fight there. And, and then you like go out to the old West and there's this cool level where it's like you're driving a car. Um, and again, it's just like there's this like extendable, almost like a radio antenna, mm-hmm. you know, this extendable radio antenna with another little uh, wire down to the car. And so like you see, you know, it move back and forth as you're driving past all of these obstacles. And it's just like with this trying to create this illusion that like everything is just kind of like rolling past underneath of you rather than you actually moving sometimes. Um, and yeah, so there's just been. Oh, yeah. And there's like. Z- zombie General Custer and a bunch of his zombie armies <laughs> running around the old west. Um, and then uh, I and yeah, and then I did this one like sandworm fight, um, which was really interesting because uh, so basically you could tell that the worm was coming because all the the tiles would start kind of rattling out of place, like there was mm-hmm. an earthquake. Kind of similar to like, you know, when you're in the tile game and Fall Guys and you like you see a couple of them rattle. Mm-hmm. So like if you just imagine like a whole line of them was rattling, it's like, okay, get off of that row. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only problem with the worm fight that I had is that it goes by like every three or four seconds. And every time it has like this screaming sound effect. And there's just all these puzzle elements to it to where I'm like, I am trying to solve the puzzle and you just keep screaming. Stop like, screaming at ah! me! Um, and, but yeah, so there's just like all these things where you're like you're trying to hit these switches to move tiles into the right place mm-hmm. to then like have a minecart full of dynamite roll down the the rail to where the the worm will hit it. Mm-hmm. And again, like eventually, as you do more and more damage, you just see a lot of the the paint peel off of it. You see like the metal underneath, and cool. It, it's just really neat how um, how a lot of this stuff is constructed. Um, kind of similar to how, like, say, like a little big planet or Yoshi's Crafted World in a way. Well, you're making but me the think aesthetic of, uh, is so different. Uh, Paper Mario, because in in yeah. the Origami King, there's like these giant paper mache uh, like Goombas and stuff. And when you hit them, you can see like the wireframe uh, yeah. that they're made out of, and like the the paper mache flying off. And uh, that's very fun as well. And so it's it yeah, there's a point like a where you have thing. to like shoot a fire hydrant to like put out a, a fire. And it's just like, there's just like these little strings, almost as if like there's just air being blown up through them. It's like, okay, here's the water, you know. (laughs) Um, You mentioned a cover system and and looking at the game, you know, where where your character is like very limited with movement. Like, how does that work with the cover system? Well, I wouldn't know. Like, it's not a cover system in that you're like stuck to it, but you have to get behind cover and the Mm. cover will break after enough shots whether it's sure. like the enemy shooting at you or you shooting at them so it's just this kind of one of these things where like you need to peek out and and shoot at the right time so that you can get a get your shot in but because your movement seems so limited i mean do you ever get in situations where it's like oh man like there's there's nothing there's nothing to hide behind like oh yeah for sure and i've actually been like the later like i'm not that far into it but the the stages that i've done lately like now i'm just getting like mobbed by guys and like Mm. okay like how do i deal with all of them uh but between levels there's also what's funny is all your currency is in pennies 
<laughs> and so like you'll finish up a level and you'll you'll have like sixteen dollars and thirty eight cents. Um, <laughs> and that's part of the part of the the difficulty or strategy or however part of the the loop is like when you kill an enemy, they'll drop a bag of money, but you have only like a couple of seconds to like actually get over to where that is to to get it. So like if you want to maximize how much cash you're gonna earn, you want to try to almost get enemies to where they're like gonna drop a bunch of bags in a row that you can pick up really quickly. Because if you just get everyone from a distance, you're not gonna be able to get across those grids to mm -hmm. get every bag of money. Uh, but yeah, it's that you can buy like a bunch of, well, you buy new weapons for one. So like you just start out with like a rifle and then a pistol that has unlimited ammo. Uh, but then there's a, like a shotgun that does kind of like the Contra kind of spread shot. Nice, nice. Uh, and then there's like a set of dual pistols. And then there's just like a whole list of things that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, but then you also have hats and shirts and pants that uh, give you different buffs, like uh, pants. You know, you get the right pants, you can hold more ammo. You get another set of pants, you can hold more money. Um, you get the right shirt, like you can uh, fend off melee damage, but a different shirt will fend off ranged attacks. So mm -hmm. it's like kind of picking those things that will, will be the right balance. And then there's also, uh, you can also equip one elixir and the three that I've unlocked so far, there's like, one that will like give you a little bit of health back and then another one that will give you a little bit of ammo and then one that will like increase your speed. Um, but yeah, you basically have like a loadout where you pick one of each of those different categories um, to take in with you on each level. And levels, I guess, are you know, 10 or 15 minutes each. So. Oh, nice. And there's checkpoints and stuff as you go through them. But you don't get a lot of lives. You really like you get you get three lives and, and that's it. So I haven't seen any kind of like extra lives that you can pick up anywhere. Uh, based on your description, this, this doesn't sound like a problem. But um, sometimes with early access, uh, you just you just run out of content so quickly because they're still making the game. Uh, mm -hmm. That's actually something that I've run into with Rogue Legacy 2, where it's like, oh, wow, like this is cool, but there's really not that much here yet. Uh, is that an issue in Dread Machine? I haven't gotten to the end of it yet. I've only put in like three hours, though, so mm, okay. I don't know um how much more there is but like i said i know that they they did just put out a trailer for the, the new edition of oh cool whatever this ocean level is so uh, so that's cool the one um the other one thing that i would say is a little bit disorienting is once in a while they'll they'll pan the camera up to like a straight down mm -hmm. overhead shot where you're just looking down at the grid and for whatever reason like screws with my brain a little bit to where i find it harder to identify the enemies yeah uh in that aesthetic I, it feels almost like they blend in a little bit more because mm. um, characters are very thin right so i could imagine like being completely like top down things just kind of look like dots almost yeah it's not quite that but it's hard for me to like really nail down what it is it's just like mm. i feel like anytime it does that like i get worse at the game mm. Okay. Even though it feels like it should be simpler because it's like, well, just point in the direction. Well, Blood, you're going to have to be on your game for this hotel. Okay. Uh, where I want to talk about... So we we just got done uh, reacting to Gamescom opening night live. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think we were blown away by it. I don't think, that w I don't think that's unfair mm -hmm. to say. Um, mm -hmm. But it got me thinking about 
events and this year and everything crazy that's been going on and next gen on the horizon and all this stuff. And I, I think a, a lot of times people are just trying to make the best of a bad situation. But um, <clears throat> even even like the reaction to the latest Nintendo Partner Direct, uh, there was a lot of uh, disappointment. And you know, I, on one hand, I totally get it. People people just want to see exciting stuff. But at the same time, I wonder if it's worth having the conversation again of are our expectations too high. You know, mm-hmm. is is it unfair to walk into these events? Not walk in, but you know, open the tab, I suppose, for these <laughs> events, and uh, expect to be blown away every time. Or is that kind of on, you know, these presenters, these companies? You know, even though with twenty twenty being what it is, next gen is right around the corner. Like it's their job to sell us. You know, what what is kind of the the right balance here between having an impressive showing and having reasonable expectations. Yeah. um, I think reasonable expectations are definitely um, lacking in a lot of ways. I feel like people, if they're, if they're not getting their minds blown, seem to act like something is complete garbage. Right. And it's like, just, you know, just appreciate the games for what they are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm definitely, I'm definitely feeling the fatigue from this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm feeling like there's so many shows and there's so many things that are kind of dragged out. And and like with Gamescom, and then with what's coming up in, in in September, it's 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 odd because it's like okay, Gamescom has opening night live, but then these streams continue where Gamescom is basically has IGN, you know acting like there's still a show going on right. in Germany and there's like, there's not, it's just like IGN covering all of these games that arguably could have been there. Um, and so, yeah, like with the Drake hollow thing, you know, like that happened just sort of randomly. And, and with the Sam and Max, it's like, we got this like really short trailer in the actual opening night live. And then, like an hour or two later, they showed the full length of the trailer and like, oh, there's actually a little bit of gameplay here. Now I understand what this game is. Whereas, sure, you know, from the teaser, it's like I think this is a VR game, but it wasn't even sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the trailer; it's very obvious this is a VR game. Um, and then, yeah, next month, like, PAX is talking about being eight days long, and TGS is being about four or five days long, and it's. It's one thing when you have like a physical presence and it's just kind of up to people to, you know, they're going to be there and they're going to go around and they're going to see what they want each day. But it's another thing when it's just like this just constant stream of like game after game after game after game. And you're just like, I, I, you know, at some point you, you almost have to tune out because you can't watch all of it. So right. it's hard. It's hard to figure out exactly like what what the best thing is going to be. And I'm curious whether next summer we're going to see more events or because people are like, oh yeah, this worked, let's do our own kind of like happen this summer. Or if there's going to be anyone that's like, okay, let's back off. Let's make this smaller. But it feels like rather than making things smaller right now, everyone's just like, do another one, have this. 
what iceberg iceberg interactives doing a thing 3d realms is doing a thing like all these people are like throwing their own digital events and it's yeah. like at some point i'm like I'm, I'm just like i i'm not gonna watch that one sorry <laughs> yeah on, on one hand having all everyone kind of do their own digital event is exciting because it, it allows them to focus on different things and to have things get attention that normally wouldn't. But I, I sort of agree with you where it, it's so spread out now that it is, it's kind of exhausting is like a good word for it. And if you think about kind of the, the more traditional E3 setup, having it be so concentrated, I think kind of smoothed over a lot of the rough edges where i Certainly remember, you know, reacting with you guys to very disappointing EA press conferences, but then it was like, whatever, we're on to the next thing. Like, there's no time to, like, really be too upset about that because there's so much happening. Whereas here, sometimes it feels like we'll watch an event, it'll be disappointing, and it's like, well, that's it this week. Uh, you know, maybe next month there might other be, be some other small event, and you're not sure how good or bad it's going to be. So, yeah, it... It has been a little wearisome with how much is, is going on, for sure. Um, but, you know, like thinking about Nintendo Bloodworth, mm -hmm. outside of Pikmin 3, which is a re-release, I can't think of any other major Nintendo game coming out this fall. No, there's, like, there's not. They it, haven't announced them. Right. and, and We don't know what they are. Right. And obviously... Uh, we're in a terrible situation. And again, I do think people are just trying to do their best, but I've certainly seen, you know, the audience say like, wait, like, what are you going to announce? Like, what, what am I going to have to play on my system this holiday? Do you think that that's a reasonable complaint to have? Um, I think it is a, I think it's reasonable in a way, but it's also like I was saying before, like, it's it's strange how many small things Nintendo is doing for it. it's like feels like every two or three weeks well like this this past couple of weeks this is a good example they had the indie showcase mm -hmm. and then they separately had this partner showcase right and I'm not sure like what the value is of doing those things separately you know it's like why not just do a single one hour showcase and you can specify that there's no first party stuff in it if you like, but I, I just don't see the need for any company to have more than one of those per month. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the thing where it's like, okay, here's another Nintendo thing. Here's another Nintendo thing. Here's another Nintendo thing. And then Pikmin three gets announced and it's not in any of them. Right. Sure. <laughs> like, it's like, what are you even showing us, Nintendo? Let them show their own games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wonder if it's their way to, you know, when people, Ben, like you said, like, you know, inquire, it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on, you know, this fall. That's kind of their response to it. It's like, what are you talking about? Look at all the directs we've been doing. You know, look right. at all this crazy stuff that's been coming out. And that is true. You know, if you, you know, look at any of the stores, if you go to, you know, Xbox or PlayStation or Steam, you know, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of games that are being launched as just, you know, these might not be the games that most people necessarily want to to focus on or these might not be the games that are going to have the, the mass appeal. And so... They think, you know, it is. I believe they think that they are trying to counter that, you know, by having all of these events, by having, you know, showing, you know, 
making kind of a mountain out of a molehill, you know, just going through the eShop and being like, yes, but what if we told you about all these things and put them into video form? But what's mm-hmm. happening is just, just like any time a direct starts, even if they, you know, sneak it on us and just don't even tweet it beforehand and just like, ta-da, there's like a direct happening. All of these are just, again, another opportunity, you know, for people to, you know, get their... Um, Hearts broken if they are specifically focused on something. And it's hard for us to think about it that way because I'm always tr- thinking about, you know, the, 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 the vast breadth of things that can potentially be announced. Mm. Whereas a lot of the people that are complaining, they're like, nope, I want one thing. It reminds right. me of before Animal Crossing got announced. Every time it was Nintendo Direct, I'm like, give it to me. You know, and right. it, just, it t- took a while. <laughs> it, so. it, some would say it would create a lot of anger towards a particular green dinosaur Right. When that yeah. would get attention and not <laughs> and right. crossing. Yeah. Right. Which as justified as that was, it's still it's just not, you know, you 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 perpetuate that kind of frustration over an extended period of time and yeah, it can be grating. Um so yeah, it's you know, expectations are tough because expectations are are going to could potentially sell games, could potentially have stuff, you know, uh, you know, uh, go through the roof. I think Keeley's excitement about Fall Guys from Gamescom was way higher caliber than the fantasy offerings that we eventually got. It was like, that's fun. You know, I don't necessarily need to blew up, you know, the announcement that much. Sure. Uh, but uh, um, I have seen a lot more this year. As tired as I am of all of these events, I have seen companies a lot more prepping stuff ahead of time and being like, okay, here's exactly what we're going to show. Yeah, it that's seems true. like It seems like Nintendo is kind of the most bad at that. <laughs> At uh, letting people know, like, kind of really what to expect and, and managing that stuff. Well, I don't know. Xbox saying they're going to show first next-gen gameplay and then mm-hmm. having a showcase where there wasn't much next-gen mm-hmm. gameplay. Was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Nintendo, the frustrating thing, and we've talked about this plenty of times, but it's just like, oh, there, there's a Direct happening in, like, 12 hours? Like, what? Wait, why couldn't you just let us know? <laughs> A couple of days ago, uh, sometimes that is that is very, very frustrating. But Brandon, as somebody obsessed with trailers and an official brand manager, right? Like you're, you're, let's say you're hypothetically part of a game company, right? And you know that you are kind of, you kind of have ownership of all these beloved properties. And maybe you've even announced some things that are way down the line. You know, what is, what is sort of the best way to move forward with announcements and and tr- like how do you how do you reasonably try to keep expectations in check like how do you how do you manage your portfolio of brands that's the tough thing because you need to it's different this is such a cop out answer i'm sorry but it's like you you it, it it's not only different for every game but uh for me i can always tell the difference between an ad company that's like we got this we oh i have a clear idea for this and a you know game development team being like no we have this particular idea like you look at the crash bandicoot and the way that they're selling that like that's so deeply ingrained in what we come to expect from how that you know uh game is going to advertise itself and so we're not like who's this guy in his costume what's going on here you know like <laughs> we, we know you know um that you know him going around gamescom on a scooter is kind of mocking the fact that like yes the that event isn't happening yes we know you're sp- we want to watch gameplay right now um but it's still that joke still kind of lands and it still fits because it matches our expectations and mm-hmm. uh it's i always i always want to 
encourage people to you, two things to remember is like nobody knows nobody works at your company nobody knows about your game we we don't you know so whenever i see action stuff specifically something like godfall they're just like we're gonna show the game and it's awesome and it's like that doesn't <laughs> come on dude there's <laughs> thousands of games that are doing this there's thousands of games that have armor and swords and fantasy and slashing and you know it's like you really gotta either try to do something different or accept that you're not and just let us get on with it you know but like um there's so many times i'll see some game that i'm like this is cool i don't know what the hell this music track is doing that's like you know it's like calm down you know (laughs) and it just seems like games are you know they're they're, they have so much fun they're so wrapped up in their own concepts that they don't even some of the we were talking about wasteland 3 even some of the early wasteland 3 trailers were like that joke didn't land you know because they were just they they clearly knew it's like you know wasteland and it's like i don't you're gonna have to inform me a little bit and and so always keep that in mind that it's like imagine you are literally you know, bringing in people who have never even heard of video games before and you're trying to throw something at them. Um, Halo Infinite had a lot of expectations. They were like, this will fly. And it's like, it's not, I need to know yeah. what I'm doing in this game. You can't just show me a warthog and, and expect me to like, <laughs> Yeah, I saw somebody, some, somebody was saying that basically like, Godfell's selling point is that it's on the PS5. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. That's it, like, that's, it, that's what they've got to say for it. And it's yeah. like, well, great. Uh, <laughs> to be fair plenty of other games that's not the worst selling point i mean mm-hmm. a new system you need stuff to play right. that, that it's it's not the yeah. worst i mean it's but that's thing the, the thing it's like it's going to be one of those things where you're like you you look at this the shelf right even if it's virtual and it's like okay well, yeah what am i gonna pick up with this and thing? that's thing number two you never get the first opportunity you the first impression you never get that back sorry yeah you know so like some teams they're just like oh that didn't land well and it's like you have no idea how badly you just screwed yourself because you could never get back. And I remember like when we first got that tease of Godfall, it was like three dudes with like helmets on and they were like looking up at something in the sky and they were in some temple. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, like nothing to grab onto here at all. And then at the end, it was just like, oh yeah, by the way, PS5. And you're like, wait, wait. <laughs> like, you know, start with that or, you know, tell me, give me a name of a character or tell me, you know, maybe a villain we're going after, but there's got to be something, got to be some kind of hook, you know, something to, um, uh, that's why Fall Guys started on the exact, you know, Fall Guys was like, don't take this seriously for a second. This right. is everyone failing. This is, you are going to fall on your face. You're going to, you know, this game probably won't control the way you want it to, you know, <laughs> um, this is going to be loss, 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 loss. And then you finally might get a win at the end of the day. And like, that was the game we got, you know, so they didn't right. have to, they, they could package it in a fun way, but they didn't have to be untrue to the experience at the end of the day. So Ugh. I, I really appreciate a lot of what you're saying, but I, I also have to wonder if all of these things matter a lot less than they used to, right? Like uh, using Wasteland 3 as an example, um, you mentioned kind of how the early marketing stuff didn't really land or make a lot of noise, mm-hmm. but now that Wasteland 3 is here, it's it's got two main things, well, three main things going for it, where it's on Game Pass, um, it's getting good reviews, which is always nice, but it's also in a genre that I think the people that love CRPGs are really dedicated to it. And if you have a good CRPG that they can sink dozens of hours into, they're not going to care that it yeah. had mediocre trailers, right? And yep. so, yeah. you know, uh, 
and like Fall Guys, right? It's not that that game was unknown before it came out, but it was really just, I, I think, streaming that brought so much attention to it. Um, and so I, I, I wonder, does any of this stuff, you know, we spend so much time watching these events and, and predicting how things are going to be. And I, I just wonder if there are too many tools in play now that, that all of that stuff is way less important. Like uh, during opening night live, that kind of infuriating <laughs> Bioware thing mm-hmm. where they sort of talk about Dragon Age a little bit. And it was like, this is not a great impression of whatever this next Dragon Age thing is to me anyway. Uh, but you know, if the next Dragon Age comes out and it's a great game in a beloved series, does that matter? Are we going to be thinking about this thing when we're playing that? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. But if I'm, again, if, if, if I'm not on the development staff, I am not in the cast, I'm not a creative director or producer, I don't work at the publisher, I am just the marketing guy. Like, I, what do I know if the game's good or not? <laughs> you know, like, right. I, you know, yeah, what weird mistakes you're making of what crazy microtransactions or that it might be buggy or that it might have to be delayed for some reason. So it's like, Obviously, if you have an amazing game at the end of the day, that can, you know, survive a lot of weird decisions and, and mistakes. Sure. Um, but uh, a lot of times you don't necessarily have. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to buy a PlayStation 5 and be like, I guess I'll get Godfall. <laughs> it's right. like, I'm sure the sales are going to be terrible for that game. Um, but uh it, w- you know, we're talking about these big events. We're talking about, you know, um, potentially seeing something that has 40, you know, 30, 40, 50 games in it. And so it's like you, you have to, you know, if you are a smaller game like that, you and you don't necessarily have a hook that's instantly recognizable just from looking at the game. Um, you have to uh, um, think very hard about, you know, how people will approach that sure. and, and what people will think when uh, when they're watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, play play to the board crowd. Play to the people in the back. They're just like, I don't care, you know, because if right. people people in the front row, it's it's like kind of like sports trailers. It's like, is the is a Madden trailer going to turn someone off from the new Madden, or are they just like, no, oh, I get it every time, you know? Yeah, I play to the board crowd is is good advice, but yeah, it's it's so hard now because I th- I feel like so many genres have been able to kind of find their audience is in ways that they couldn't before. Um, and I, I do feel like for as much as you want to play to the board crowd, there's also this need to like play to the crowd that's already into and understands your thing mm-hmm. yeah. and like trying to tackle both at the same time can be really, right. really hard, especially mm-hmm. with more complex genres, I think for sure. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, I think maybe some of these things don't need to be in a, a big showcase, you know, like sure. If- you know, and I think like something like Madden's a good example. It's like the people that are going to be interested in Madden are going to be interested in Madden, and then there's yeah. everybody else. You know, it, it, it's just you're not really gonna win a lot of people over with that Madden trailer. Yeah, you know, except maybe when you get into like the first next gen footage or something like that. You know, then like you know when we, what we watched the NBA 2K trailer. And right. it's like, oh, look at the sweat or whatever. Stuff like that that like, you can instantly recognize, you know, without really being into that franchise or that genre. And like, aha, that's it. That's the thing that, you know, that makes this feel like it's new or different. Um, otherwise, yeah, like I think like Wasteland's a, kind of a good example of something that like, I don't know that a lot of people were 
looking to devour a lot of information on that game ahead of time. And they're just like, hey, is Wasteland 3 good? Right. Cool. I'm, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good point. Are we ready for some emails? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Our first email comes in from Brandon. Hello, everyone. As this generation comes to a close, I look back and not only do I see a wealth of great games, but I also see the different trends that we've gone through. The rise of battle royales, going all digital, becoming more prevalent, longer downloads and installs as opposed to the previous generation where you could just stick a disc in the console's drive and play without preloading. Uh, gaming has become more convenient in certain areas at the cost of being more aggravating in others, and I wanted to know... What trends for game generations past do you miss, whether it be for convenience or nostalgia? While I'm happy I don't need memory cards anymore and dower-themed shooters aren't as prevalent, I do miss a time when many games had co-op functionality or demos were aplenty, be it on disc back in the 90s and the glorious discoverability with the Xbox Live Arcade. Any other examples that you wish were still around? Thank you for taking my email. If you do, and as always, stay easy, fellow allies. They were super cheesy, but I miss that like Godfather, Scarface, Warriors, where we got all these weird. I was like, Big Trouble in China, Big Trouble in China, it's gonna happen. And then they just, <laughs> they, you know, I, I'm assuming those things didn't sell well. But there was this like Xbox 360, PS3 era of it was at the end of the PS2 going into 360 and PS3 of just weird movie licensed, like sure. even old stuff. Uh, where they would go back and and recreate a likeness of an actor, or you know bring that actor back, um, and uh, to me the sky was the limit. Over like oh, there's so many fun movies, you know that uh, you could recreate. So many fun action. Escape from New York would be like the best open world game. Ah, oh, you know, um, but um, on a Kurt Russell kick, if you can't tell. But um, that's over. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that maybe we're not seeing as much of this generation is games like really like going outside of the box with controls and hardware and stuff, you know, like mm. if you think back to like Seaman and like all of the different rhythm and music games and Donkey all Konga. Yeah. controllers <laughs> and things that they had. Yeah. Um, and uh, dance pads and they were just what do you remember? Let's tap. <laughs> on, on the Wii? I don't think I played Let's Tap, but I definitely know what it is. Yeah, where, yep. yeah. so basically the game came with a cardboard box. You put the Wii remote on top of that cardboard box, mm -hmm. and then you played the game by just like tapping on the box really fast. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But, you know, it, it was it was, it was was different. It, it, and there are a lot of like DS games and stuff that... Um, that came out that had all kinds of weird attachments and things. And it just, I remember seeing so much of that from the past two generations in particular. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't think of the last time I like, I picked up a game with a weird controller, you know? Yeah. Um, blood. That's good. And, and kind of along the same lines, what I was going to say is, is it feels like right now anyway rhythm games are super 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 niche it's not that they they don't exist but uh they're, they're kind of they kind of feel on the margins and a lot of my 
favorite memories growing up in games or some of my favorite memories are things like Parappa or Dance Dance Revolution or Guitar Hero and Rock Band and all of that stuff has just kind of uh, faded away or at least faded into the background. Um, yeah. I would even love like another Rhythm Heaven on Switch. That would be great. Uh, but yeah, more more prominence for rhythm games would be a big one. Uh, another one would be like on rail shooters seem pretty much completely dead and like mm-hmm. i i get it i understand but sometimes i just want a time crisis or house of the dead right to well that was a yeah that was another thing like with the wii sort of yeah. like bringing back light gun games because of the ir sensor and some great yeah. ones like those dead two Space resident evil games yeah oh, those two resident evil games were fantastic yeah those were really fun uh, and it's only one console that did it, so I wouldn't necessarily call it a trend. But like, I, I, I miss and will always miss Street Pass. Street Pass was the best. Yeah, it Brandon, so it was really good. Fascinating, and and I was, you know, the games were really neat. But honestly, if they didn't even have those, it was just getting uh, the puzzle it was, pieces. It was just so very easy to get obsessed with, you know. And yeah. I feel bad because I would talk to kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Street Pass is the best. And they're like, yeah, I don't Street Pass anybody. And I'm like, I feel bad for you. I go to Disneyland all the time, and I'm and I'm frequently at conventions. <laughs> you know? So like, Brandon's I was just making always... fun of kids who can't Street Pass, dude. <laughs> like, sorry, kid. That one of the funny things about Street Pass, though, is uh... I think they addressed it somewhat later on. But like, you had like that like ten person or twenty person limit or something, and so it was like per pass. Yeah, it was ten initially. Yeah. Yeah, and so we would be at E3, and we would have to like somehow Stop find breaks. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I gotta get in, I gotta clear yeah. through all the people, so I get new people in, you know, because because you wanted to, you wanted to get that Miyamoto or that Iwata or the Bill mm-hmm. right. or whoever, like whoever you could street pass with. Just walking through Nintendo's booth. But the 10 was so funny, though, because they're in a line. And so you like 10 people would walk up and like, there's Damiani, you know, just waiting. <laughs> like number six. <laughs> like, uh, it was good times. And it was fun. Uh, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, actually. We're like, I remember like first signing up for the 3DS and they were like, what? What defines you? What's a goal you have in life? And I was like, "Whoa, 3DS! <laughs> this, is, this is getting pretty deep." <laughs> you know, like I didn't uh, the master in art, I guess. I'll put that. You mm. know, but uh, it was. I, I I always felt some strange win when I got like an, a, a really cool international. Like, oh, you're from Greece? Mm. Yes. Like, uh, it was fun. And I got to street pass. They were clearly street passed some Disneyland employee like five times because <laughs> it was like when I passed them for the fourth time at Disneyland, I'm like, they gotta work here. There's no way. Yeah. I just happened to be here on the same day. Our next email comes in from Matthew. Hey, Ben and Panel. The initiative just hired some more rock stars of the industry. We still have no idea what they're working on over there. I've heard, is there any way that the game or games that come out of that studio live up to the hype slash expectation that is being placed on them? If so, what could you imagine that game would be? What for you would make it live up to expectations? Uh, so this email is interesting because there's a rumor going around that the initiative is working on something in the perfect dark universe and it's third person. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, cannot substantiate these claims. Just know that 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 rumor is going around. But yeah, I mean that's the thing with the new studio. It's like, do you want them to make something that you know? Like, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of don't. You you kind of want them to su- surprise you and do something completely outside, but at the same time, like you're saying, like, hey, where's that perfect dark? Where's that crimson skies? Well, the thing about perfect dark, right, 
uh, is obviously the original Perfect Dark is rightfully beloved, but I feel like it's been so long since we've been in that universe that you have a lot of liberty to kind of go nuts. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds where you, you could work with something that's beloved, but it's it's been so long that at the same time, you know, you could you could come out with something totally new and people could be into it. And so yeah, I, w- I would be optimistic, I guess. Yeah, I guess it sort of depends for me because I feel like um, Battletoads is kind of in that same space and i feel like it, they kind of missed it sure <laughs> you know and it's like okay this might be an all right game but it doesn't feel anything tonally like the battle toes initially felt um well the weird thing about art style or, or humor or anything about battle toads is it it does those kind of jokes where it's like oh man this is gonna be an awesome reboot or like right. it's, it's kind of like self-referential in a way that yeah. Is like, yep, I know there hasn't been Battletoads in a long time. Um, rather than like, I guess fully committing to a new identity, um, and so I wonder, I wonder if a huge part of it is just tone. I would just love a good spy shooter. Yeah, that's like exactly. A, that's a, exactly. That's the thing. Right. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be perfect dark, but like a good objective-based yes. gadget using spy shooter and it seems like like we do get those like like you know both deus ex games were like kind of that you know like that's the thing it's like we're either action on one side or like hitman on the other you know where Mm -hmm. it's like you know very tense but like lots of stealth um but i think that was you know my favorite thing was i uh, I love shooters. I love first person games, but I just felt so immersed in that world. I really felt like I was this character the yeah. way that people, you know, um, having to go back to the Carrington Institute, you know, and having that be a real place and, and her relationship with, you know, uh, the, you know, Carrington and um, uh, just and, and, you know, going back to, to GoldenEye as well. Like I just felt very having all of these tools and all these things that I had to do, you know, hacking into machines and, and operating stuff. Um, it just doesn't seem like uh, uh, something that is done in the shooter genre now. And I miss it. Yeah. Dude. Well, I feel like it's true in the movies too, right? Like James Bond is like, you know, he, he doesn't really have a lot of gadgets in some of the more recent movies. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Batman too. He's not really known for yeah. You know, the, the the trailer for the Batman is really great, but it's like the best moment in it is him just wailing, over- yes. pulverizing yeah. a guy. You know, yeah. so it's like, it's kind of where we're at with him. Yeah. So it's like, have, have smartphones just like eliminated our, our imagination for gadgets? You know, that's, uh, that's not a bad call. I'm sure I'm oversimplifying this, but think about Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. And it's just like, why not just make an awesome story-driven first-person shooter that has some gadgets like you're talking about, Brandon, but it has different objectives based by difficulty level. Like, I I, I just don't know why that template hasn't been followed more. It it Mm -hmm. seems like there's there's so much potential there. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But I, I totally agree with you. A nice, like, spy thriller shooter gadget heavy game. Yes. You said exactly what is in my heart. And perfect dark got it to you know aliens and so mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be fun if there was like you know you were going into environments where some people were aliens and you could tell who they were but you don't want to <laughs> but you don't want to cause chaos and so right. you kind of got to track people and follow them and mark them and 
you know, did lots of stealth takedowns. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff with like alternate vision modes and stuff in Perfect Dark. That oh, the the far sight was one of the, yeah. the, one of the best guns I've ever played in a shooter. You could just zoom through. Yep. you could just stand in one spot. And just that thing is infuriating in multiplayer. Like, yeah, oh, it's hilarious in multiplayer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, our last email comes in from Marson. Uh, hi, Ben and Allies. Uh, an ally comment on the last EZA podcast gave me an idea for a frame trap question. We all probably played more games this year than typically. If you could take two of your favorite games you played this year and mix elements of both of them, <laughs> what kind of game would you like to see? It uh, doesn't have to be ones released this year. Mine would be Gravity Rush 2 and Spiritfarer. Both already have a cat mm. companion, but what would absolutely take the cake would be the Gravity Rush gameplay mixed with the building and managing flying ship, fly, built with building and managing a flying ship city. Also, you can hug all the villagers to make them happy, and the hug animations are as jolly as in Spiritfarer. That game would make us forget 2020. Uh, which games would you love to see in a wonderfully blended vision? Really great question. Also, very difficult question. Right. Well, it's funny because they start off and I feel like people have it. My, my experience of the pandemic and other people's is very opposite. It's like, oh, yeah, we've played more games this year. I'm like, I played <laughs> way fewer games than usual. Um, and, you know, partly because of everything going on and then partly just because like Animal Crossing just was that kind of consuming thing to where it's like, oh, uh, I'm playing Animal Crossing and now my time to play games is gone. <laughs> like I didn't realize that was gonna happen. And Fall Guys has been kind of a similar thing. It's like I'm I'm too tired to get invested in something, so I'm gonna mm. uh, I'm gonna play a few rounds of Fall Guys, and then somehow I played Fall Guys for three hours. Um, but uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta think about. I've gotta think too. I don't know what game. Cause it's just like, I'm, I'm not complaining. I wouldn't say that it makes, uh, you know, there's an issue with Microsoft flight simulator, but like, it's a lonely game. You know, it's yeah. weird to, it's weird to, uh, do these training missions. And this gal's like, Hey, what's up? I'm in the cockpit with you. Um, which is strange cause she's not there, but then you go into third person and she is, but, uh, right. uh, it, you know, it, <laughs> I would like a story, <laughs> you know, I would like something, something that tracked what I was doing, something that actually, you know, maybe like followed, you know, where I was going and, and, and commented on that. But again, it's, it's not a blending of two games because I don't know what game I'm borrowing influences from. Um, but that would be fun. I mean, it, 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 I will be playing more of Microsoft Flight Simulator in 2020. I will I would play a little bit more if um, there was a reason to go do something beyond just, you know, that was my, I did it on a whim. You know, it was like, I want to fly yeah. around Vegas. But it was like, oh, there's some kind of Vegas challenge. Cool. Um, um, go ahead. So I've got a weird a weird one to blend. Uh Trials of Mana. Okay. And Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Mm-kay. Because as much as like I really in- enjoyed playing through mana and everything, like still like I felt like in- it was it was just a cheap looking PS2 looking game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it just it didn't feel like you know, even though it was a higher budget than Secret of Mana remake and all that, it I would just prefer something that that looked as visually stunning as Ori, that had as much depth and as much going on in the environments, and you know, wasn't just like okay, here's some polygons, and it kind of looks like a 3D representation of this world. Like I would maybe prefer a 2D representation of the world mm. that just felt more full of life. Mm. 
Uh, for me, I guess what, what immediately comes to mind is this, this has to exist outside of the fan art. we got to bring Animal Crossing and Doom together. <laughs> and we need to mix elements from both games. Uh, Isabel, you know, helps the Doom Slayer get situated in a house. And I would love to just have like awesome, like Doom inspired decorations and themes and all that stuff. But in turn, the Doom Slayer also teaches Isabel how to shoot, but it's like really wholesome. They just like go out to a range and she like slowly gets better the more time that you spend with her. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe the Doom Slayer takes some villagers <laughs> Into hell with them. I don't know. What ha- who, who knows start, what happens? You start the day in Animal Crossing and Isabel's like, morning, everybody. I tried out the double barrel yesterday. Yeah, that was a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, have a good day. Like- yeah. <laughs> she did come up to you. like, look what I caught in my yeah. net. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, God, that could go places. <laughs> uh, fun question to end on. Uh, yeah. Great conversations. Thank you so much to Brandon Jones and Daniel Bloodworth. Um, and thank you, dear listener. If you want to find out more about us, the best place to go is patreon.com slash easy allies. We do a bunch of shows. We do reviews. We do previews. Bloodworth has a wonderful interviewer up with uh, Gareth Coker uh, that, that talks about some phenomenal music. I encourage you to go check that out. Um, but yeah, that is going to do it for this episode of Frame Trap. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time. Cheek. Thank you.